Hey everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Classic Movies Live. When last you heard us, we had just done an oral history of Heatwave Radio, the campus and community radio station for UBC Okanagan. And um, that was a very special episode. It took a long time to put together. It was several months of interviews. I think about three months of interviews. Uh, And then, of course, listening to all those interviews, editing all those interviews, and then editing them into the final product. Um, And the end result, I am pretty proud of. So if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our last episode, you should probably listen to our last episode. It was very good, I think. Um, In that episode, there's a lot that had to stay on the cutting room floor. It just wasn't going to be feasible to include the full interviews. Uh, There were a lot of iterations that that episode went through, and originally the plan was to include full interviews, but um, first off, the interviews ended up going very long, which I'm very happy for. Some of them honestly could have gone longer, and I would have been happier, but um, they went pretty long. There was a lot of overlap. Sometimes, you know, we ended up talking about a lot of things that uh, I was very happy to talk about, but ended up not really working with the story that we wanted to tell. So, um, you know, a lot of stuff ends up sort of lost in the shuffle. However, I was a big fan of all the interviews. And more than that, I am a big fan of giving people as much of the facts as possible so that they can come to their own conclusions. And... Since I have all those interviews, and I have the permission to share all those interviews, I wanted to make the full interviews, all of the ones we did, available to everyone. So, if you listened to our last episode and liked it, and you want more of that content, well, here are all the interviews so you can hear more from all of our guests. And, uh, of course, if you think that I may have left something out, well... Fear not, here's all of the interviews so that you can hear for yourself. There is a reason that this isn't the, this is the bonus episode and not the final episode, uh, the final product that we put out, because like I said, there is a lot of overlap. Sometimes there, we talked about things that weren't necessarily relevant, but I was a big fan of all the interviews and I want anyone who is interested to have the ability to listen to all of them. So what I'm going to do here is you're going to hear the full interviews. These are edited, but they're pretty much just edited for ums and ahs and stuff like that. There are a few spots where there, uh, there's a few spots where I did a little bit of longer editing, but like no content was edited out. So you are getting the full content of each interview. And these interviews will be in the order that we conducted them in. So you are going to learn all of the pieces of the puzzle as we learned them. So without too much further ado, we're going to start off with the first interview. And what I'm going to do every time is I'm going to tell you who this interview was. And I will put a timestamp for it in the show notes. So here's the first interview that was conducted by myself and Pierre. We brought in Meredith Lister the uh, former programming director of Heatwave Radio. We are here with Meredith, who I don't know if our listeners know this, but uh, because I don't know how much of a behind the scenes we actually talk about all the time, but uh, Meredith was actually the first person 
She was the first point of contact at Heatwave Radio when we started this show. I believe you approved the initial pitch for the podcast. And then also, I would always send the episodes to you to get posted on SoundCloud when the SoundCloud still existed. That was indeed me. That's exciting. I I don't know. Have you been on any other podcasts before before this one? Uh, I I don't think I've been on any where I was being interviewed, but I've been I've been the interviewer a few times, and I've had a couple co- podcast episodes where I was you know reading off of a script. But I think this is my first time re- being interviewed. Oh well, welcome to the other side of the podcast, then. Thank you very much. The main thing that I want to ask this is basically a retrospective on Heatwave Radio. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask is, how did you learn about Heatwave Radio? So I'm pretty sure how I, probably in my first or second year, I just went through the list of all the clubs and all the you know extracurricular organizations at UBCO. I went through, researched uh, all of them. At that time, Heatwave didn't really have much of an online presence at all. So it was kind of, okay, uh, this is interesting. I'll go check it out. And then on uh, Clubs Day, I went around to all the tables. Heatwave did have a table. And at that point, they were like, yeah, we're, I mean, we're having our annual, it, it might have been our AGM, some kind of official meeting. I turned up to that meeting and they're like, yeah, so we need we need an admin coordinator. We need people to do these things. Uh, at that point, I didn't really know. I was like, well, I want to be involved. I don't know what I want to do. Admin coordinator, that sounds like work I can do. So I kind of was like, I'll dip my toes in with that and see where we go from there. So like, I'm curious because I actually had between involvements with Heatwave Radio, I had like a pretty long period of not knowing anything. So like when you joined with Heatwave Radio or when you went to that AGM, how many people were even there? Like, or not necessarily at the AGM, but even just the executives? Two or three, I think. Uh, I may have been the third or fourth person. That we, uh, we had, um, yeah, we had a... We had a station manager. Uh, I we changed around titles and things throughout the years as our roles kind of changed. But we had someone who was responsible for outreach and events and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joined as admin coordinator, so I was handling a lot of the paperwork and looking at shows, and uh, that turned into doing a lot of bylaws and things of that nature, and finances and pitching our uh, budgets to the SUO. And then we also brought on a social media coordinator, which helped a lot because. You know, posting posting online is uh, a way that a lot of people find out about things happening on campus. So that was really necessary as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, our our social media is, you know, it's just the two of us, and I don't think oh. either of us is nearly experienced enough or like online enough that we can do quite that role. So social media coordinator is like a whole thing to itself. You basically have to live online and do nothing else. Yeah. I mean, it's great for people who already live online and want to get involved in any club because it's like you're already on Instagram or TikTok or whatever all the time. Just occasionally post when whenever it strikes your fancy. So you sort of already hinted at kind of what I wanted to get at because when you joined, you said you joined as an administrative coordinator and that led to more paperwork and approving shows and stuff like that. And by the time that we came to you with our show, I believe it was just you and someone we hopefully also had the opportunity to interview. I don't know yet. Tyron, 
I think it was just the two of you guys. Um, I think that's correct. Yeah. So at that point, Tyron, (laughs) yeah, Tyron was the station manager and I had started as the admin coordinator and I kind of stepped into the programming director role as well. So I was, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, looking at new shows, pitches, either approving them or kind of suggesting like, hey, here's some, this is a decent pitch, but maybe you can look at it from this angle as well. Uh, And a lot of training new people on here's how you can make a podcast. Here's how to use the equipment and edit everything. So that was, Mm -hmm. that was a fun job to have because you get to help so many people kind of see their ideas to fruition. What did that really entail? Because I think for us, we, we ended up being fairly independent. I know that we, we sent you guys our scripts, but you like, you didn't, or not our scripts. We sent you guys our episodes, but you didn't, you didn't usually send back a lot of notes or anything, but we're only one podcast. So I don't know how many you dealt with. Well, you were both of you were also pretty experienced at that point. Like you knew your way around recording software, but a lot of people were coming in at completely fresh, had never had never even heard of any recording software whatsoever. So I would I would bring them in and I would show them like here's the basic way that we can set up to record. Like here's the buttons you press. Uh, here's like some basic tips of how you can position your mic and things like that. And I would show them the recording software. And usually at least the first one or two episodes they record, I would be uh, sitting there outside the studio with them so I can kind of guide them along. And if I noticed they were doing something like, hey, you need to you need to talk a bit louder or we need to adjust your mic or anything, then I can kind of step in right away. We can we can they can re-record that section. They don't need to start from scratch. Uh, and then usually what I would try to do as well is then I would try to show them the editing software and be like, here's some basic things I do. Here's how you can make your audio not have too many peaks or lows. Here's uh, If you feel really up to it, here's how you can add in music, uh, remove any clips that you want to cut out. A lot of people felt pretty intimidated by that, but there were some people who, you know, they'd give it a good try or they'd kind of start edit- editing it themselves and then ask me for help. And I didn't mind doing that because once you get used to editing audio, it, it can be a pretty fast workflow. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a lot of the time I was right in the office. The, what we were working towards is that I'd basically just be coordinating studio times so that people would have their time slot. They should show up. I let them in the office and they can record and then they can do all the editing and everything themselves, send the files over to me so I can post them online and add them to our feed. So you were, you were really hands-on during that uh, period (laughs) then. Yeah. uh, That's not even getting into all like the technical things like setting up the website, setting up the RSS feed, setting up the broadcasting uh, online equipment. It was very hands-on for me. Mm -hmm. I believe you created the website because we had a website before or Heatwave had a website before. Technically, it was not something that ended up being held over. Yeah, we had a website and we also had... Mm, a partial mobile app that uh, some I, I believe a student had been paid to develop it, and it was it was not really something that we could use moving forward without significant investment. And it wasn't like you can use a mobile website. You you didn't we didn't really have a use case for having a dedicated mobile app. 
So um, I looked at the options and how much effort and time and money different things would do. And I ended up rebuilding our website on Squarespace just because it's really straightforward and easy to maintain. And it had support for RSS feeds, which was really important because mm-hmm. when we're posting podcasts and things, if you want your podcast to be able to show up on Apple Music and Spotify and things like that, you need to submit an RSS feed. So Squarespace made that pretty straightforward because and it was only, I don't know, 10 bucks a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying they had a partial mobile app. I remember, I won't dwell on it too much because I'm sure I'll dwell on it enough later on in the episode. I remember when I was president of Heatwave, uh, we had one meeting where we were trying to talk about next steps for, I think it was near the beginning of the year. We were trying to start talk about next steps and what everybody needed to plan because we had a full executive and everyone needed to have a plan for the next couple of weeks. And the meeting got entirely derailed about half an hour in when one person who had not been paying attention the entire meeting just said, mobile, we need a mobile app. And that became his entire mission statement for the entire year, for whatever reason. And at no point did he have any idea what he was talking about. It was very frustrating, but I guess it eventually resulted in half a mobile app. Yeah, I would say half a mobile app is uh, a generous way to describe that outcome. Yikes. <laughs> I guess the mobile apps were very in at the time. I mean, yeah. they still yeah. are. I know they are, but... Everyone kind of thinks that if in order to be successful or anyone to pay attention to you, you have to have a mobile app, and I don't think that that is really true. What's, what's really nice about this very specific interview with the just three of us is... Uh, we're all computer science students, so we all have at least cursory experience with mobile apps, where a lot of the people that I talked to in the past about Heatwave and that were on the executive, you know, no shade on them, but they're not necessarily involved in the technicals of stuff. So when someone who is an arts student who doesn't do anything on the computer brings up, we need a mobile app, they are right. They also don't really know what they're talking about at the time. Yeah. So I think there's like an assumption that this will be a great thing that we can build and you build it once and then everything is easy from there. That's not true. Any app you build, you have to maintain and it's a lot of work to maintain and it's it's a really big commitment. So unless you have one or more people who are dedicated long term to maintain this app, it's just not worth it because you have, you know, you have, you're not always going to have three computer science students on the executive who can handle that kind of work. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting what you just said. Uh, you know, you build it once and then you never have to build it again. Shifting a little bit, basically, I want to ask, like, what did you think the potential was for Heatwave, or what do you still potentially think the potential is? You know, did we have anything where it was like you build it once and then it's established? Uh, I think that a big problem that I had had with Heatwave when I was working as part of the executive is it was just really hard to get anything established. And I wanted to know how you uh, experienced that as part of the executive. Uh, I'm going to answer that question in a bit of a roundabout way. From my personal perspective, I see like these distinct eras of heatwave radio and like Mm -hmm. the era before I joined, I feel was really focused on events and putting on shows and concerts and things. And they did that and they did that well, Um, but they weren't doing a lot of broadcasting in that. And then Mm -hmm. when I when I joined, there was uh, about a year where we were focused more on 
bringing the society up to scratch with like the BC Societies Act, which was a lot of paperwork, a lot of work, not a lot of yeah. broadcasting quite boring. <laughs> uh, but then after that, when we had that established, we wanted to focus a lot on podcasts and getting students to make podcasts. And I feel like we were doing a really good job of that. We were getting lots of new shows being made. And the, the great thing is, as people were making shows, you kind of get this knowledge base of people, they've got the basics, you don't need to train everyone from scratch all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was I could see us going in that direction of being like, really, um, like, especially as we started to try and collaborate more with Phoenix News as well, where I could see that we were going in a very strong direction there. But then, of course, uh, pandemic hit, we couldn't have access to our studio equipment and uh, anything like that. And we were kind of stuck, like, okay, what what can we focus on now? We, we tried to do some ideas like sending equipment home with students so they could record from home. But it was it's extremely difficult to coordinate, especially when people, you know, they've recorded a few episodes but they're not really feeling confident in their skills yet even when someone's right there with them so they're not really feeling like they want to take the next step and do this completely independently mm-hmm. uh so i was kind of so that didn't work out uh i don't know what you've been up to this past year i suppose but it seems like a bit of trying to do what you can uh videos where you can but it's it's pretty hard to work on but i i see like the strength of heatwave radio i think that we were at our best when we had a lot of different students coming in and making shows and just with the 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 challenges of the radio station in the okanagan just the geography of the valley means that having a radio transmitter is really difficult and it doesn't transmit that far you can rent a transmitter from the CBC or something, but it's like $10,000 a month. So it's kind of like, I didn't really see us going in the direction of actually broadcasting on FM or AM. It would be, you know, a huge commitment, a lot of work, a lot of money, not really worth it. But I mean, everyone, everyone is online all the time. I listen to online radio more often than I listen to FM or AM radio, because I don't Mm -hmm. have a car, but I'm always on a computer or on my phone. And I felt like, you know, leaning more into the podcasts and the online radio and having student voices and student perspectives and trying to focus as much on our campus and very local ideas and things going on. I feel like that's where Heatwave is at its best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I don't know if you knew this because you didn't bring it up, but um, a big problem very early on when we were trying to, when there was the idea of setting up a physical radio station on campus. UBCO is directly next to an airport. So uh, you have to be very careful about what radio bands you can broadcast from at UBCO because if you have a transmitter that's strong enough to hit the airport, that's illegal. So Mm. that's already a huge problem just based on, like you said, geography. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where, okay, with a lot of money and a lot of effort and planning and everything, especially with the the new campus locations opening up downtown, it's like, yeah, this could be feasible, but I feel like, you know, you only have so much time and energy and it's just better to spend it on other things that are just make more sense for our campus. I just want to ask, like, like when you joined, what, like, because I remember when I first came to campus, Heatwave felt like a much like a pretty big presence um and that had like a lot of like it just it felt like an organization with a lot of industry like a history and uh like a a very intricate part of you know campus life right like the phoenix do you feel like when you joined it was like still being established or like like what was your general perspective of it 
I think it's hard to tell because like my general perspective before I joined was, you know, I'm new on campus. Everything is new. I don't really know which things are big and which things are small. And, you know, I'm just going to go with whatever's interesting to me. And then when you join an organization, you're thinking about that organization a lot. And even if other people aren't thinking about it a lot, I am. So it was, it was pretty big in my brain, uh, but I don't know how many other people were just constantly being like, oh yeah, this is an organization that I know about. I know what they do. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's just something I noticed like the longer I was at this school, it's like, like the like the phoenix and heat wave they didn't feel as like i remember i think in my first year it felt like anyone i talked to like they would like at least have heard of it right um but as the years went on like it it feels like the first years especially like they they probably would not have heard of it um in any way just because of the way um it was advertised i guess by the suo and stuff like it wasn't really supported do you feel that like like the the students union could have supported heat wave and like a lot of different ways that you missed out on or like is, is there anything that you would have done if you were in the students union that would have I feel it? like the students union uh, I feel like the students union could have done a lot of things and I mean they did do a lot of things but they could have done a lot of things differently obviously the current SEO is going to be very different from the SEO executives when I was there but um yeah, we, we we would have a lot of back and forths with the SEO. Um, one of the really big issues was the way that Heatwave was incorporated, and we were actually incorporated as a separate society under the BC Societies Act. And the SUO is also a society under the BC Societies Act. And once they realized that, that like the SUO, they, they had control of our money. We had to like request funds from them and things like that. We weren't controlling it directly. And they were like, this is kind of strange that we're overseeing you, but you're an independent society. And we think that you shouldn't be an independent society. And we we're like, well, what, like, what happens if we decide to stay completely independent? And they're like, well, you don't get any funding anymore. So obviously getting all of your funding cut off when you're not really large enough that you have lots of like sponsors or advertising or alternative streams. It's like, okay, that's not an option. So we'll, we'll do what you say. Um, But I don't, I don't know how clean that transition has been. I think the idea would be that, you know, we have the larger SUO and underneath the SUO, we have several media organizations that kind of have different facets like the Phoenix use and Heatwave Radio. And ideally, the SUO wouldn't be controlling us directly. We put out our own thing, but then they're handling inconvenient, you know, paperwork that students don't really want to be thinking about. Like you don't want to be thinking about your tax returns and your reporting to government agencies and things like that. It's a, it's a lot of paperwork. Most people don't want to deal with it. If the SUO could handle all that, that's that's a benefit for us. And I feel like that makes the organization easier for people to join and run. Uh, I, I don't know if they actually stepped up to that and took over those things or not, though. Yeah, that's fair. Do, do you think that um, the SUO like has a responsibility to like, I guess, keep more of a focus on like organizations like Heatwave or just clubs in general, you know, like, like in I, terms I, of their survivability and stuff. I mean, I feel like that's the whole purpose of the SUO is to try and support student initiatives in different ways. And a lot of student initiatives are going to be in the form of organizations and clubs. Like the SUO isn't really doing a lot for the individual student because you can't have 10,000 plus individual students that you're all individually helping. But if you have a few dozen clubs that you are helping, then, you know, every student can join clubs and extracurriculars. And that just makes more sense to me. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So, and do you feel the SEO did that for you? So overall, I think that uh, certain administrations of the SUO were lovely to work with, very helpful, very accommodation accommodating for us. Uh, they're, they're great. Other ones less so. They felt more like they were, you know, blocking us at every turn. Uh, it w- it was very. It could be very frustrating at times because, from their perspective, it's like, okay, how many how many students is this organization serving? And if you're not serving very many students, then you get less funding, you get less support. And when you are an organization that's kind of shifting, like you're shifting from putting on lots of large events that tons of people can show up to, and now you have individual students or small teams of students coming in and making shows and trying to broadcast it to them. And any new show you create isn't going to instantly have 10,000 people listening to it versus mm-hmm. if you have a big artist come in and you have a concert, you you have an audience immediately for that. So you kind of have to be patient with that and expect that it's going to take some time to build up popularity, build up listenership. Uh, but the SEO, I think from their perspective, it's like, well, you've been an organization for several years, so you should already have a lot of people involved. But it that just wasn't the case. So I think that their expectations for involvement were just, it wasn't something that we could realistically reach unless we went back to just putting on concerts and shows. So we are pretty much at the end of time here, but you brought up a lot about, you specifically said certain organizations of the SUO, so like certain years. And um, I'm interested, my, my last question that I have that I want to make sure I ask everybody is when and why did you leave Heatwave Radio? Which for most people is probably going to be the answer is I graduated. But um, I would like to also draw attention to um, the the handover process because as there are as there are different uh, teams on the SEO, there's been different teams at Heatwave Radio, and I want to know how that uh, transition process went as you were exiting heatwave radio for whichever reason probably graduating well i i can definitely say the handover for me was a bit of a mess uh i was my last year was also the first year of the pandemic so it was we we couldn't really do that much uh Mm -hmm. i graduated i kind of just dumped everything on pierre's plate and i was like you're you were the you're kind of the only kind of executive person who's still around who knows anything about the org here you go (laughs) um so i mean it's like you have my email address if you run into any terrible problems i guess i'm here but i'm i'm moving to toronto uh i'm leaving the city bye good luck uh so that was our handover that's obviously not that's not the way that things should be that's not good succession planning but that's that's the way things were uh, it was kind of, I think that some of the, you know, the executive members at that point, we'd been putting in a lot of work and it felt like we were, it felt like the more work we get, we put in the less respect and acknowledgement we received from the SUO. So even if I was putting in hundreds of hours trying to build this thing up and we were making progress, the SUO weren't, they weren't seeing immediately returns of popularity. So it felt like, you know, we're putting in so much work and it's, and they, they're acting like we're doing nothing. So whatever, it's fine. We're, we'll just move on from this. Mm-hmm. I think we could talk for another probably hour about Heatwave Radio with you, but unfortunately, uh, considering how many interviews we, we want to try and feature, uh, this is about the time we have 
So thank you so much for coming on, Meredith. And uh, I hope that we can get you back for something maybe happier at some point. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Thanks for inviting me along. I conducted the next interview myself with Effia Asante, the former social media manager at Heatwave Radio and currently a uh, member of Edmonton's independent radio, 88.5 FM, uh, CJSR. She, is, she can be found on Gaywire, which is Thursdays from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. So if you're in Edmonton, tune in to 88.5 FM, uh, CJSR, to hear Gaywire on Thursdays. Anyway, here is my interview with Effia. All right, so I'm here with Effia Asante, former social media manager of Heatwave Radio, though, as we were saying off camera, I think you wore a few more hats than that while you were there. Yeah, I also did a bit of poster design and um, podcast cover design, like or podcast art, I guess it would be called. But um, the largest part of my job was to do social media and I guess website updating. Okay. That's really cool because I actually, I I reached out to you before I knew the specifics of your position. And um, this actually ties in really well to what we talked to Meredith about. So I want to get to that in just a second. But my first question is, how did you learn about Heatwave Radio before you joined? I first learned about it at like the little club fair thing um, at the beginning of the school year. And Heatwave had a stand there and I thought it was really cool and I wanted to be part of this radio. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. And that was in your, that was in your first year, your second year? Uh, my first year, yeah, in 2016. Okay. But I didn't join until 2017, I believe. With, uh, with Meredith and Tyron? Yeah. Okay, Cool. So I guess that kind of leads into another question I had, which is uh, what kind of presence did Heatwave have both while you were around and before that? Because, I mean, it varies from student to student, but a lot of my friends didn't know about Heatwave. But then when I've talked to Pierre or uh, also Meredith, you know, at different times, they said a lot of their friends did know about Heatwave, not just through them necessarily. Yeah, um, I think that Heatwave was kind of, becoming more known because like I said they did the club fair thing in our year and then um they also played music outside the Tim Hortons by I can't remember what the building is called I think it was a library (laughs) yeah yeah so we heard about it through that pretty much and it was it was kind of I wouldn't say it was well known like everyone definitely didn't know about it but it was a little bit known (laughs) when you learned about heatwave at the club's fair they didn't just go away before you joined up a year later. No, I honestly can't remember what drew me to them again. I think it might have been Meredith, actually, because she was my roommate during this time. And I guess we just joined at the same time. So we, we've sort of talked about it a little bit already. I'm curious to know what you did at Heatwave. I think you already said like the broad points, but more specifically, like what did what did your role entail? while you were there basically just trying to get the word out there like making like facebook posts instagram posts we were kind of on twitter and then we were also working on the new website which 
I'm not sure if that's still a thing, but it was kind of a whole <laughs> debacle with the website thing. But um, Meredith and I basically took the time to set it up on Squarespace. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> I was asking what your role at Heatwave was. Oh, right, my role. um, Yeah, yeah, so so Meredith and I uh, worked on the website, and then mostly Meredith updated that, but I also did some of the design aspects, like picking colors and stuff like that, and then, yeah, like making, designing posters. Like, I did one for Bush League. Yeah, I'm not sure what else I could say. It was pretty simple. Oh, we also um, did, like, meetings and stuff like that not fun stuff. So Meredith also brought up the website, which un- unsurprising if you worked with her on that, but you said it was a whole thing. Do you, do you want to go into that? I'm The more I hear about the website, the more curious I am. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say, but basically we had someone making a website and it fell through. And then all of a sudden we had to make a new website while we were supposed to launch the old new website. I definitely want to know more about that, but it sounds like that may be for off air. (laughs) The next question I have has like a question I need to ask before it, which is how long were you with Heatwave? I'm assuming you're graduated now, probably. Um, I actually transferred to U of A, um, but I stayed with Heatwave while I was transferred for a while. But um, I was there for... About a year. Yeah, okay. about a year. How was your experience with Heatwave um, working from much further away? Because when you would have transferred to U of A, you clearly would not have been in Kelowna anymore. Yeah, it was honestly kind of difficult because I, I couldn't really show up to meetings. So I was a little bit out of the loop. But I I tried <laughs> I tried to keep doing my social media and design stuff. We basically only communicated with email at that point. So it was a bit slow. <laughs> and is that is that more or less why you eventually left Heatwave or was there some other reason? Yeah, that was the biggest reason why I left just cuz I had transferred and I actually started volunteering at my other or like U of A's local radio. Also, just like interpersonal differences. You you didn't leave Heatwave on bad terms, did you? I don't think so. <laughs> um, it was more personal life stuff. Like the Heatwave relationship, we were super tight-knit. It was wonderful. Like if we saw each other on campus, we could have a conversation. Um, but just I was friends with a member and then we weren't friends and it was a little bit awkward. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's always difficult. I've been in a few situations like that. How is your experience working with U of A's student radio? Is it very similar? At least like, is your role very similar or? No, my role is actually very different. I am, I actually host a DJ section of this podcast we have called Gaywire, um, which is just a queer podcast. The theme is just queerness. Um, so yeah, I'm a DJ for that one. So I make playlists and stuff. And I think it's really fun, a different kind of fun a lot less responsibility than social media manager, which personally I prefer, but I definitely don't regret my time at either of these radio stations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the bureaucracy of the roles can get to be a lot, especially when the fun part is just creating content. Yeah. 
yeah, so I basically just do the fun parts now. <laughs> and I guess my, really my last question is, what did you see, what do you see, or what did you see in, in Heatwave's future? Like, while you were there, did you think Heatwave had, like, a bright future ahead of it, where you're standing now? Do you think that? Or, you know, whatever you want to say on, on those topics. Um, when I left, I thought that Heatwave was, like, on the brink of finally getting its name out there and getting on the radio. And I'm not sure if that's a thing yet, but if not, I still have hope that Heatwave can do this because, like, it's it's community radio and it's such a needed resource. And I think the more people that know about it, the better Heatwave will do. I definitely hope that this episode, when we can finally release it, will will do that. I, I want more people to know about everything going on with Heatwave or that did go on with Heatwave. You know, past, yes. present, future, <laughs> everything. Yeah, I'll absolutely be sharing this with everyone I know. <laughs> and just a last thing, the DJ session you're a part of at U of A, where, where do you guys post that? Here, just shout out your own stuff. Yeah, um, you can find us on Instagram as GayWireCJSR. Um, we have a website. At, just search us on Google, GayWireCJSR, but make sure you put in CJSR, which is the radio station. And then if anyone happens to be in Edmonton, we're on 88.5 FM on Thursdays at 6 p.m. And we're also on Spotify, GayWireCJSR. <laughs> And I will put links to that all over the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Evia, for uh, coming on. And um, yeah, I'll I'll show this all to you when it's done. All right, great. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. (laughs) Next up is an interview that I wasn't really able to include in the finished episode. For the most part, I would say that's because it overlapped with a lot of other interviews. But... Either way, this is still like a really good interview. It's actually one of my favorites. So this is bonus content that wasn't in the finished episode. Uh, But I do hope that you will enjoy it as much as I did. This is my interview with Taylor Wilson from UBC Studios. I'm here with media specialist and production assistant for UBCO Media Studios, Taylor Wilson. How are you doing, Taylor? Uh, I'm well. And just for the record, we're just UBC Studios. I knew I was going to mess something up. (laughs) It's the most common thing. That's fine. So I I introduced you as part of UBC Media Studios. It's UBC Studios, isn't it? Mm -hmm. UBC Studios Okanagan. UBC Studios Okanagan, um, which is obviously not the exact same words as Heatwave Radio. What was your role in relation to Heatwave Radio? So when I first got hired, I was a, uh, I believe the term was advisor or staff advisor with Heatwave Radio, along with the great Rosemary Jean Thompson. And that was the primary task. As staff advisor, what did that sort of entail? So a lot of that was just talking with the volunteers at Heatwave Radio, giving them guidance, suggestions, maybe comments, sometimes directives, and other times it was just opportunities. Essentially just gently guiding, but at the same time still respecting autonomy within mm-hmm. Heatwave Radio to a more cohesive radio station. 
one word you used there that I noticed, and I think it's worth addressing. You mentioned working with the volunteers at Heatwave Radio. I'm not 100% sure where this interview is going to fall within the mm-hmm. episode, but it's probably not the very first one. So everyone that we have been talking to so far who we've interviewed as part of Heatwave Radio, they probably wouldn't have introduced themselves as such, at least the people I've interviewed so far haven't, but they are all volunteers. So I assume that when you say the volunteers with Heatwave Radio, you're talking about the students, correct? Yeah. So that would have been Tyron Lake, uh, Meredith Lister, yourself, Pierre, to a lesser extent. Anybody who really had a hand in Heatwave Radio, but didn't necessarily have a paycheck coming from UBC. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to circle back to that, but I have a different question that is going to lead back into that one. Mm -hmm. Um, Before you were hired at UBC Studios, what had been your experience in general with radio and media, but specifically how it relates to students as well? Uh, So before I got the job at the UBC Studios Okanagan. I worked in radio for about five or so years. Four of those years were working in commercial radio. So I worked for Bell Media or Astral Radio, as it was known at the time, as a on-air producer and a board op. And I also spent one year working with CFUV 103.9 FM in Victoria, which is the University of Victoria Students Union's student radio station. So the reason I asked that question is because Heatwave Radio is a student radio station and specifically just because of the way it existed on in UBCO, there were no paid employees who were paid by Heatwave Radio, at least to my knowledge. It was all volunteer run. It was all run by students. And I was wondering, how did Heatwave Radio or does Heatwave Radio compare in the way that it's run and the way and like the stuff that it faces to a more traditional commercial radio station or even a different university station from your experience yeah sure that's a great question i do believe that the certain volunteers were paid an honorarium from the suo media Mm -hmm. fund uh but i could be wrong so Don't quote me on that, which is ironic considering this is a podcast recording. But uh, as to how it differed, the biggest thing was that it was just smaller. We had maybe at most, I'm trying to think, five people in the room whenever we needed to discuss heatwave radio business. Whereas, say, CFUV 103.9 in Victoria, that was a huge nonprofit society. Well, maybe not huge, but it was a nonprofit society to the extent that there was a board of directors, there was a fleet of volunteers, I want to say 20, probably around there, just doing volunteer work. And then there was paid staff of about, when I was there, let's see, program director, music director, volunteer director, manager. There was a staff of about four people that has since grown and as for the comparison between the commercial radio stations I worked with and Heatwave Radio, it was completely different. Uh, I would say I would be hesitant to compare the two just because it's literally apples and oranges. One mm-hmm. was funded by a million dollar corporation, 
uh, specifically Astral Radio, now Bell. Uh, you may have heard of Bell Media. <laughs> and uh, Heat Wave, meanwhile, was only subsidized by the UBC Students' Union Media Fund. Mm-hmm. While you were with Heat Wave Radio, you said whenever we needed to get like a full meeting of people, there were at most five people in the room. Would you describe a lot of the day-to-day stuff you were involved in with Heatwave as more bureaucratic or actually like working on radio programs? I would lean towards more of the bureaucratic nature. And even then I'm hesitant to use that term. A lot of the meetings that we had were mostly just, you know, this came or I joined the team, specifically I joined UBC Studios at a time when I think Heatwave was sort of on a comeback uh, it wasn't the original folks like yourselves or trophy or anybody else um mm-hmm. when i first got into that it was tyron meredith i think sam who later left so it was definitely it was on sort of a comeback and a lot of the meeting was focused on how do we keep that momentum going how do we get more involved on campus because at that particular time, some of the volunteers may not have necessarily been aware as to what are the next steps or how to reach a certain goal, uh, which was where Rosemary and I came in and sort of gently nurtured or offered suggestions on how to do it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it was like, okay, what can we do with the 2MS fund? How do we get the 2MS fund? That sort of thing. I think when, when I was there, I had really found as a student volunteer that it was really frustrating to um, work on all of the building a radio station part of the entire equation because I joined just to do like I'd done, I joined to become a programmer and ended up doing a lot of paperwork and leading meetings. And um, obviously I was no longer there when you were brought on, but while you were in those meetings or when you were brought on and during your time at Heatwave, did you feel like there was real momentum towards becoming, I'm going to put up as the ideal, that Victoria student radio station that you had been at before? Yeah, I think it was on its way. There was a lot of momentum. There were a few, I don't want to say missteps, um, but there were a few stumbles which is where we were brought in and i like to think that our zenith was maybe i think october we had an annual general meeting where we had a lot of just general folks on campus show up who were interested and were voting on motions and could have possibly been a volunteer that being said going from what it was to a station like the prototypical campus radio station that's a long road takes five ten years to do Mm. so but all that said i think i think heatwave was really on its way uh, up to that point i want to address why we keep talking in the past tense uh Mm -hmm. do you think that heatwave still is on its way and uh because i'm a little out of the loop does heatwave still officially exist you know what? I can't even answer that question because I don't even know. I think Pierre would know better than that. I stopped being the advisor just because my job changed. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think in December of 2018. Uh, so while I would occasionally bump into Heatwave folks, bump into you or Pierre using our sound booth, uh, my experiences with Heatwave were minimal after that point. So I have occasionally looked on the Heatwave Facebook page, uh, looking at the videos, and uh, admittedly, they are very clever and funny. I've laughed at a few of them, but up to this point, I can't even say I know exactly what's happening with Heatwave. In that case, I do want to just move back a little bit to something you just said, which is uh, clearly the answer to, are you still involved with Heatwave? Which is one of the questions <laughs> I have written down is no, but can you go into a little more detail on why and when you left Heatwave? Yeah, sure. I, I'm hesitant to use the term left. It was just that I no longer was required to be there uh, mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, Rosemary was still heavily involved in it, our executive producer. So there was just, I think it was redundant to have two staff advisors there. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just my best guess. And uh, she took it and ran with it. And I do know that there were other folks who were involved with Heatwave afterwards from the UBC Studios um, department. Uh, Doug Brown, you may have bumped into him. I know Pierre has, but... It just came down to there was no need for me to be there. And because I switched jobs, I didn't really just switch to volunteer as well, which is something I plan to do in the future regardless. It would just be cool to have a show. Uh, I just Mm -hmm. got too busy and uh, thought I should focus on my work. Makes sense. Yeah, most of the time when I answer when I ask that question, the answer is something along the lines of I graduated or I went to a different school. Like, I I hope that I don't actually ask ask that question to anyone and they say i hate heat wave now <laughs> well i don't yeah it's i mean it's one of those things that's that's the uh that's the problem with campus radio like unless you really get like somebody really sinks your teeth into it or works full time for the organization it can be hard to avoid the turnover it's just a natural part of the beast and mm-hmm. if you're a small station, primarily volunteer ran like Heatwave Radio, you're probably more subjectable to that than anything else. It's it's common with a lot of on-campus uh, things, whether it's clubs, uh, course unions, or even student newspapers all across Canada. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun times at Heatwave. You know, I, I hope that uh, it's due for another comeback. I hope so. I I know that. At least while I was there, um, and then later on when I came back just to do a show, I heard a lot about Heatwave having lots of momentum, and they mm-hmm. always had a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. And at least while I was there, it didn't progress to be much more than that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But not to say that it couldn't have. It like people weren't lying when they said there's a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. And COVID didn't really help. Yeah. Um, I did actually have one other question written down in relation to COVID, but oh, yeah, if sure. you weren't... Okay, well, my question is... <laughs> I'll do my uh, best. I, I wanted you to speak to the experience of working with Heatwave during the pandemic. Though, mm-hmm. of course, since you were no longer the staff advisor for Heatwave, I don't know how heavy of work that would have been anyway. Yeah, uh, at that point, it was mostly just uh, opening up the sound booth uh, for folks who wanted to use it. Um, 
And I mean, for like half of 2020, we closed down the sound booth too. So it was mostly just keeping it open whenever I could. Mm-hmm. And it was always nice to see, even though it was mostly just uh, classic movies live. Now that I mean that in an offensive way, but uh, it was cool to see there was still a pulse. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, that's for real the last question I have. Now. Okay. <laughs> so um, I may I may reorder that to come before the last time that we said goodbye already. Oh, yeah. No, sure. Do whatever editing you need to do. It's, I've been there. The next interview I have, Pierre was able to join me for again. This one is with our editor, Brian. Hello, we are here with Brian to talk about his experience with Heatwave Media. Hello, Brian. Hi. I guess our first question would be, what were you doing for Heatwave in your time? Honestly, the only thing I was doing was editing for this podcast, uh, handling the recordings, and basically that, yeah. (laughs) Is that what you, like, when you signed up for Heatwave, was that like your initial goal or was that something that you were kind of introduced to or like, what, what was your primary objective when signing up for Heatwave? Let's put it this way. Yeah, basically, this was the, the only thing I signed up to do at Heatwave. I got pulled in at the Expo. I forgot what the Expo was called. Anyways, yeah, I saw a few people with boom boxes and I was wandering around campus about like what to do, what to get involved. And then Tyrone was like, hey, do you want to do some sound engineering stuff. I'm like, cool, let's do it. And then he put me on, he said, there's this podcast about movies. Uh, do you want to go and do recording for them? I'm like, heck yeah. If you teach me how to do it, I'll do it. So they basically just stuck you on a podcast with us and the rest is history. Like that's, that's kind of awesome a little bit, or I think it is, but yeah, that that's kind of much, pretty much it. Yeah. That's what happened. Um, it's been going great since. When you talked to Tyron, do you remember how he described T-Wave at the time? Not really. No, not really. Um, I remember just hearing about it like it's a student-run student run thing. It's on campus. It's a radio. I was kind of like just like focused on the fact that I get to do something like this, which is really cool. I did not think about the rest of what was going on. And honestly, it's been a while. So I don't quite That's remember fair. exactly how he... Uh, described it at that moment but i just remember it being really awesome i was like yes this is something i want to do and i will do it so i'm kind of wondering like how was the like full experience of working with heatwave because you said like you signed up they were like hey go do this podcast how much guidance did they give you if any at all like were you regularly talking to tyron and meredith at all afterwards um when i started quite a bit more just on like getting introduced of like how things work and then generally how to work the booth and then the equipments and such so it took me a while and they had some documents like google docs and such they're just saying saying like hey this is what do you want to do with a podcast this is your recording settings we walked through a few times if i remember right just like how to operate things and how things work and afterwards honestly it would we didn't really talk much. We like if we see each other in passing, we'll be like, "Hey, how's it going?" But I didn't really get involved with the operational side of like heat waves, other things. 
I was just mostly doing the podcast here. So it would just record, edit, and then see if I can make adjustments or learn a few new things on the way to like deal with better recording or to improve things around. Okay. Uh, I was going to, do you feel like Heatwave was like a good way to learn about these things? Like, was it like a, a valuable learning experience? I think so. I think it definitely had mm, a lot. Like, there's so much to learn, even if just like editing things alone. Like, been doing this for a while, and I can't really say I'm really good at it. I'm just like, it will pass. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's just there's just so much that you could do, and then with better software or like just audacity alone there's a lot that once you fine-tune it it's really incredible to think about it and it's hard to imagine how sometimes like you know you listen to a soundtrack or like anything honestly and you just feel oh that sounds really good and i just can't now it used to be just, oh it's just really good and then that's the end of the thought and now it's like oh wait i wonder how much time went into like behind the scenes just <laughs> the poor sound engineers sitting there trying to sit like filter through all the sounds and figure out the best setting working with heatwave and then mostly with us editing this podcast you'd say that's given you like a much better appreciation for just what goes into sound engineering pretty much yeah and also kind of like gave me an idea of like i don't think it'll be possible to do like any producing or like sound related things just because it's it's a lot to take on and well like a side story i used to f- have an interest in like make music making possibly mm-hmm. and mostly just because like the edm scene blew up well i was really into it for a while and i was like that sounds really cool i just need a laptop and like some talent then i could definitely make it i was like after this, I was like, nah, not happening. It's just, it's like a small wake up call, but also a pleasant one. It's like, I, yeah, cool. Glad I did not try that. So what you're saying is that Heatwave killed your dreams. Well, not not really. Not, not in that way. <laughs> when you put it that way, it sounds kind of bad, but it just, it, it's, it's like exploring something that I've not imagined I would get to do and then... Mm-hmm. After trying it, I was like, great, I've tried this. I like parts of it, but it's not something that would, I don't think I would be able to put 100% behind it. So it's like more like a, I tried it and then it's, it, it's not going to work kind of thing. It's not like killing my dream. It's just like, cool. I wanted to know if I could do it more, more like. Right. Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. Like, I want to know kind of out of curiosity, how was it working with me? on the podcast really smooth oh i don't know it's, it's really smooth i'm surprised you're still doing it honestly like i'm very thankful for it obviously but like it means a lot because uh i don't know i uh i i personally i i like i like video editing i despise audio editing it's like a whole different thing and i think like i appreciate that you're still doing it and i hope eventually we <laughs> when we make if we hope eventually this will be successful enough that like if I ever made money off this, I would pay you like all of my income <laughs> because like I, I'm really appreciative of it. And, like I just do it for fun, you know, but 
you know yeah but i think you you put in a lot of good work for it and i really appreciate it Aww, yeah straight you. up if we had if we had a patreon i would bare minimum expenses to making sure whatever we need for the podcast is something we can get and the rest goes to you as payment like it, you're, <laughs> you're very valuable to this podcast i don't think it would be the same yeah. without any of the three of us you included oh thank you well now i have this on recording you can't back out of it <laughs> i'm just kidding now that is really sweet and good to hear though honestly if it's yeah because this thing is all new so it's for a while it's always like a doubt kind of thing it's like it's this is this going well enough and then if things are going to hold up so like pierre was saying i um uh, so way back when in in the first the first time i did a show for heatwave it was i split the editing between uh or we split the editing me and my co-host and both of us really hated it so <laughs> one of the things that i remember going to meredith with and i don't actually know if i asked her or not but i know it was a condition at least i remember i was thinking about it i was like oh yeah i remember because i brought it up to her and she had mentioned that they had editors and I was like, perfect. So like, if we do a show, we don't have to edit it ourselves. And I was so glad that they gave us an editor, uh, especially like a re- of someone who ended up being really good. So thank you. But uh, oh, that's talking yeah. about me. <laughs> because like, at least when I'm audio editing, I find that as a general rule, after lots of practice and also not being like super good at it, as a general rule, it takes me like three times whatever the length is of whatever I'm editing to edit it. So like an hour long podcast takes three hours out of my day. And usually it's hard to schedule that. So that would like eat up my entire Sunday. And in addition to actually recording, that's a lot of time. Yeah, honestly, that was kind of how I started. Like an episode would take me quite some time a lot of times like yeah an hour episode would take one and a half to almost two mm-hmm. but usually like less than 2.5 like it never goes over but yeah it does i i could kind of feel that it, it did it did get easier like along the way after a while that you get used to it it's like cool i can spot a few things like the few things i want to edit out i know what it looks like it's kind of weird i did have one last thing for you just generally like this episode is pretty broadly about um the entire history and hopefully future of heatwave and i just kind of wanted to get your impression of like what do you see as the potential of heatwave like what did you think were like the best aspects of it around or like could still be the best aspects and do you think like there is a future there for student radio at ubco i don't know how to ask this question it's okay i think i feel like i get your sentiment on that i just it's it's also the kind of question that it's it's hard to ask so answering that is also kind of tricky yeah but i feel like what came to mind when you were asking the question is it's can't be the voice of the students like is it does that sound kind of weird it it sounded better in my head you know it sounds cool it's like hey it's it's a radio it's literally 
voice and so it's like the mm-hmm. voice of the student or like yeah i think it's it could go a long way it, it's like a, a platform anyways it's like so you could do you know talk about movies talk about fun things give a students a way to express themselves and you know meet people like if i had done this i wouldn't have met both of you and that would have been a shame it's like because it's it's it, yeah it's fun it's learning a lot and it's meeting people i don't know how to describe it honestly no no it's hard it's like it's it's a big question and like i feel like that's an entire episode on its own just answering that one question right but i think it's worth answering or it's worthwhile it's like something good to think about sometimes Mm -hmm. all right well that is the last question I had. Pierre, did you have any last questions for Brian? Brian, what's your favorite movie? Have we asked him this before? I don't know if we have. I think, I feel like we did and it was like, a, it was like an interesting answer. My favorite movie? I honestly don't know. Like, if you ask me movies, like the only one that pops up in my head is uh, 2012. 2012? Is it? What? Yes, <laughs> dude. Okay, <laughs> but the only reason that movie comes up so much is just because, like, the... I don't know why, for some reason. Uh, when I was, like, younger, all the time when I could watch TV, the only movie that would be playing is literally 2012. Even if it's 2018 or 2022, the same movie channel that was available on TV had 2012 basically every weekend, every day. Like, at some at some point... It will at least be played. Like every time I open it, it's still the same movie. So like, it's like brainwashed me into thinking when I hear movie, the only thing I see in my <laughs> in my head, it's 2012 and nothing else. I can't think of any other movies. It's frustrating. That's interesting. That's an see, awesome I, I knew. Answer, yeah. I, I, I thought it was an interesting. <laughs> it, like I want to think of other movies. I don't want to think about 2012 where everything just like frozen. It's like. I would watch Frozen for that. <laughs> well, there you go. You thought of a second movie. Yeah. Is it, oh, it's all the same theme. It's weird. I, it's all. But, <laughs> it's all for Ice Age. Uh, I have wait, one second. Let me look up the movie I've watched recently, and I thought that was hilarious. I don't know if you guys have watched it. I would strongly, I strongly recommend it. It's really stupid, but it's fun. Uh, let me. It's called Detective versus Sleuths. I can't pronounce that. Yikes. Oh, that. It came out. Never heard of that. It came out recently, so I think it fits with the theme of our podcast. <laughs> That um that did have like a very brief theatrical release in Toronto. Yeah, that's that's my current current favorite. Just because I watched it just about like just before coming on the podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah! For the second for the second time, so it's a good one. Here's here's Brian's secret re- movie recommendation of the day. Everybody, go watch Detective versus Sleuths. Beautiful. Well. Thank you for coming on, Brian. We will talk to you again. The two of us will talk to you again very soon. And uh, I hope that we can get you, I hope we can get you like in front of the microphone on the podcast again, because 
it's always fun to yes. it's always fun to get the whole whole crew out. Yeah, I think I'm going down um, to Kelowna in November. So, oh, sick! Should be I around then. I don't know if either of us will be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll see. I might be. I might be going in November. I'll let you know. We'll coordinate. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We can figure something out. One thing I just noticed while I'm listening back to these and editing is uh, Pierre says Heatwave Media in um, when he's interviewing people instead of Heatwave Radio, where I say Heatwave Radio. Uh, that's just a little bit of foreshadowing because up next, we've got a pair of interviews. This one is going to be first my interview with Pierre and Yvarna, and then it's going to be Yvarna and Pierre's interview with me following that. So this was originally supposed to be the body of the episode, and we would put the other interviews into it. That was a very early draft of what this episode was supposed to look like. Uh, it clearly did not quite end up that way, but these are very good interviews. I would consider these to be you know, where I learned a lot, for sure. Here's Pierre and Yvarna being interviewed by me. All right, you are listening to a very special episode of Heatwave, Mo- Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. Uh, and this one's going to have a little bit of a different intro, because normally on this show we talk about movies. Um, Movies will certainly come up, I'm sure, but that's really not the focus of this. Today, I wanted to focus on the other half of that intro, uh, Heatwave Radio, because uh, a long time ago, the only people who would have been listening to our show would have been people that were familiar with Heatwave Radio anyway, because we were on a school radio station. Um, You know, all of our stuff was on SoundCloud. Uh, Some of it at times was kind of difficult to find on SoundCloud, but like if you knew Heatwave Radio, you knew where to find us. A while back, just our show switched over from SoundCloud to Spotify, but we kept the Heatwave branding around, except that I have a feeling that most of our current audience probably does not know us from Heatwave Radio. So every time I interview, I introduce us as Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, I don't know um, how much that actually means. So I figured, why don't we take an episode and talk about what is Heatwave Radio? As always, I am joined by my co-host Pierre, and today we are also joined by uh, Yvarna. Uh, you are also joining us. Hello, both of you guys. How are you doing? You go first, uh, I'm doing great, and I'm happy to be here. I am doing great, and I'm happy to be here, even more than her. I think you stole my uh, greeting. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I guess like before we get into everything, Yvarna, you want to just sort of introduce yourself also because I just met you and I would like to know more about you. Yes, I am a second year student. I did my first year at UBCO, which in, at, in that first year I was a part of Heatwave Radio, which I guess you'll probably get into is now called Heatwave Media. So yeah, that was me. Pierre, did you know about that? Uh, I'm the one that changed it, yeah. Oh. What, you, <laughs> all right. Well, we've got a lot to get into because <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't hear I didn't know any of this coming in. Heatwave Media, eh? Pierre, you wanna well, 
we should probably how do we want to go about this because i just want to know what happened in the last year but uh, it was all you that might (laughs) (laughs) no uh i i kind of came up to that decision when uh basically everyone else left and i was by elimination put in charge but yeah it was uh i i could just tell i wasn't really interested in doing just podcasts and i know meredith had spent a while trying to set up the radio like fm or not it wouldn't i think internet radio was the plan um but that they're having a lot of trouble with the students union and i just i wasn't really interested in radio like itself um because i just felt like people we're moving on from that. So I just, I chose to focus it on media because I like, I personally liked video production and I liked making fun skits. Um, but then also we could do podcasts and stuff. It just gave us a lot more leeway to work with, if that makes sense. Moving mm-hmm. into the modern era. So yeah. maybe to, maybe to back up for a minute <laughs> for our main audience for this particular episode, who probably doesn't know what Heatwave is. Uh, Heatwave radio uh, is I what well, was I'm gonna I'm gonna say was not because Heatwave is dead but because it's now Heatwave Media, but uh, Heatwave Radio was a uh, student radio, I think officially society under the Societies Act in um, in UBCO in Kelowna. Um, it was a lot of different things during its time, and initially initially the idea was for it to be a on-campus radio station, uh, sort of in the same vein as a lot of um, on-campus radio stations. Like I think Victoria has one, UBC Vancouver has one, UBC Okanagan has a lot of people who are interested in making media, producing shows, some people who are interested in like the hardware of radio, but it just like never quite got a radio station off the ground for a variety of reasons. And so Heatwave was an attempt to do that, basically. I think um, there had been attempts at creating an on-campus radio station all the way back since 1993. Uh, Heatwave itself, if I remember correctly, started about 2014. I think, like, I should probably say at this point, the most recent president of Heatwave was Pierre. And Pierre, I want to know, what is Heatwave's presence like on campus? Right Currently, uh, non-existent. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm still trying. I, I, I recently, well, I posted a reel like last week and we still have a campus tour I need to edit and stuff, but, and we've had some emails about interest. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try now that like, it's like more chill with my job and I have like more free time. I'm going to try to like, see who's try to like, I don't know, like, and influence people, even though I'm not at UBCO. So, like, I might post once in a while or if anyone else is interested on this. Because I know people were interested in still doing it. There's just no one wants to, like, lead it. Um, so I might just try to keep it really casual and, like, find out if anyone wants to make anything at all. Uh, but, yeah, right right now it's it's very non-existent. I don't even know if it's technically a club anymore because we never signed any, like, renewal form so like yeah so technically it was never a club <clears throat> well it wasn't before because it was a part of the media fund right it um, was a society under the bc societies act so technically yeah. it was independent but then when i the student union. i started running the club it i think they kicked it out of that 
So then I had to sign it up as a club. The year oh, I oh, that's started. weird because they're not yeah. legally allowed to do that. So I, <laughs> I think there was a lot of stuff they weren't really allowed to do that they ended up doing anyways. I don't know. I, I have no idea how like any of that that stuff was working. I was just like, I know how to run a club. I've done that before. I don't want to deal with all the legalese and stuff. So I just like went for it. But yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And and I think we had an off. It's so weird. They we technically there's a there's a sign in the SUO that says we have an office, but none of us have been able to access it all year. And when I tried to access it, they were like, "We're selling your equipment, so you're not allowed in there," which was also very confusing because again, well, they don't we, legally. They don't legally equipment. own the equipment, so <laughs> I don't really know what's going on. But I just I didn't I didn't want to get into a whole thing because I didn't want to waste my time on fighting the students' union on something that I probably wasn't going to use anyways. And it was like in March that I found that out. So yeah. So I guess like Pierre, how did you end up as the president of Heatwave Radio? Um, everyone else left <laughs> during COVID. I applied to work as like the outreach coordinator, which just meant I was like in charge of like the email and the social media and stuff. And, but um, during COVID, obviously it was like really tough to like, you know, work with any clubs or like set up any events. So I just kind of use the Instagram once in a while. I really wish I did more with it. I think I've learned a lot more about how like having an active Instagram page works. So yeah, that's how I started. And then at the end of the year, it was just like Meredith was leaving. The other people we were working with, weren't really didn't seem interested in it anymore so i was <laughs> i was the only one that's <laughs> basically how it happened on a similar but slightly different note yavarna how did you learn about heatwave radio pierre was one of my ras for nachaco i lived at res and so i think it was do you guys have a booth on club day because i think that's where i first heard about it on where sorry like the club week did you guys have a booth oh there? yeah we had a booth uh, at Club yeah. Expo in Nachaco. I saw you there. I'm like, oh, that's one of my RAs. I didn't really know anybody. So I'm like, I want to join a bunch of clubs to, you know, know people on campus. So I decided to go to the first meeting and continued from there. So like, what was, uh, what was that first meeting like? Because this was... Um, yeah. It was... I came late because I had a class. So I missed like the first 10 or so minutes, I think. But basically, it was just a idea pitch kind of thing. And I think it was, like, the most people that ever showed up going forward for, like, a variety of reasons. But, yeah, it was it was basically just a meeting pitch thing where people, like, talked about what roles you could do and what kind of projects we could do moving forward. Yeah. It was a crazy... Because we... Me and my friend Felipe, we spent a lot of... We, we did the club day, and then we also put, like, I think like 30 posters up around campus with a link um, to the discord and stuff to let people know. So we got like 20 to 30 people at the first meeting. Yeah, and, and it was like in the Nachaco like gathering room because it was like a tiny little table and yeah. not everybody could fit. Yeah. It was very... It was really awkward because uh, I was like, I was literally expecting like maximum 10 people and I was prepared for a meeting with 10 people. I was not expecting that many people and trying to figure out how to cord I mean, like it was a lot yeah but it was very exciting though I was excited at the time <laughs> and like is this post-covid it was like when restrictions were starting to lift 
But, right. you know, COVID was still a thing, so you still had, like, restrictions. And it was something that, like, the restrictions were some were one of the reasons, like, we had a lot of troubles in, like, the first semester. Mm-hmm. We weren't technically allowed to meet. Or th- we, we never booked a room. We were technically weren't allowed to meet, so we just met. We met on in the Chaco the first time, I think, because I was an RA there, so and people can, like, I don't know, we can host events in, in those rooms, so, like, it was okay. And then after that, we just kind of, like, gathered in any empty study room we could find. Uh, after that mm-hmm. to be fair I like it wasn't completely not allowed it's just that to set up an event at the time I think you had to you had to submit a re- clearance a COVID form like two or three weeks before and then wait for it to get approved and then you could book the room so it was like it was like I was just like I'm not gonna do that and it was already because we we were only the club expo happened in like I think mid to late October too, so we were already like really behind in terms of like how we wanted to to be moving. So like if we did the guidelines, we would have met like late November or something like that, which would have been kind of shitty. But yeah, just to clear myself of any legal implications. <laughs> so like during that year, or that you were president Pierre and you were involved Yavarna. What did you guys do as Heatwave Media? Uh, so I originally signed on to be a writer and, if needed, an actor. As the year went on and less people showed up, I kind of took on any role that was needed. Mm-hmm. Originally, I started. I wrote like part of the first project we were planning to do, and from on there, I wrote almost every project we were doing in coordination with like Pierre. And sometimes mm-hmm. other people. It was mostly Yvarna. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I was very, I was very much, hey Yvarna, I'm planning this idea, and then I wouldn't do any work. And Yvarna, because she's very, um, she's very good at organizing things. She would actually write the script out, um, and plan it, and then uh, I would try to get people together. So it was a lot of her ideas. Or no, sorry, it was like a lot of our. We would, I think, we would brainstorm together, and then, but Yvarna would actually flush out. The script and everything because um I'm, I'm very improvisational the first time we did a like an actual shoot that like we went out and did we had no script at all <laughs> yeah. and it was apparently pierre said it was like a nightmare to edit so moving forward we had like a script to follow yeah it was it was really bad so that helped a lot yvonne was great at that so like where did that stuff end up going did you guys like put that oh <laughs> did it just like go onto instagram or do you guys have a website still no <laughs> YouTube, Instagram, and yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, like, I think you kind of hinted at it earlier, Pierre, but, like, what drove you guys to shift Heatwave away from, like, a more, I'm going to say audio-based. What I mean is, like, from Heatwave Radio to Heatwave Media. Yvonne, you want to answer uh, well, again, Pierre had, I guess, like, it was, like, in the process of happening in, like, the beginning. So, like, the first meeting was, like, done under Heatwave Radio. So, like, everything's still like Heatwave Radio. And then, like, in the first meeting, he was like, yeah, I want to move it towards, like, a media format. So people who want to, like, pitch, like, shows, skits, all those kind of things, you're welcome to come. So, like, mm. that was quite interesting. So I think that's what got, like, a lot of people interested, since a lot of people had the ideas for, like, shows or clips and, like, in the beginning, there was, like, somebody wanted to do, like, a game show and, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's just what I was interested in, honestly, because I I had done work with the Phoenix before and making, like, video news, and I found that was really fun. 
I'm I'm not a huge like I don't personally listen to podcasts. So like it's just where my interests went to and I knew it was something I was experienced in like I knew how to make videos. I mean obviously mm-hmm. I learned a lot because you know I didn't have any scripts. <laughs> I was worried about scripts and stuff but um it's just what I was interested in and I was hoping other people would be too. So yeah, and I just felt like it was just it was the way we had to go in the future because it didn't feel like on the current trend where where heatwave was headed towards before it was really leading anywhere. Um so I thought might as well try something like completely different. Okay. Yeah. I don't know is, is that like did, did you guys ever think of that Jeff when you were like just heatwave radio and like doing um, podcast cuz I obviously you went from the idea of like being a radio station to, to doing podcasts, right? Uh, I think that's yeah. kind of a branch out. If, if that makes sense so did it, the thought ever cross of like hey like maybe we can do more of this or i think uh when when i was there um we had we definitely had some people who were more video minded or at least i don't want to say more video minded but were video minded because they would create things uh, we had um one of our executive was really big on making sure we had like video marketing but I don't think while I was there, we ever seriously pushed the idea of like creating video content beyond just promotion for the audio content. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So that makes sense. And you guys had like live events too and stuff, right? Was that before or after, like, was that like the idea when you started too? Um, it, it wasn't my idea to have live events, but like live events were also, again, important for marketing. The yeah, whole point yeah. of a lot of those live events was ultimately, hopefully to get more people to tune into the shows, to like consume the content we were already creating. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was the outreach person and I thought we were going to go back to person. I was trying to reach out to like the music clubs and stuff to see if they wanted to, coordinate with us on like a live event in the future but that never happened so so yeah we couldn't do any events with other other clubs and i also i hate working with other clubs i'm not gonna lie i, I find other clubs are very flaky i don't know if you remember well I, I, you probably wouldn't remember yuvarna because i don't think you were at the university at that point but pierre do you remember when we were doing movie maniacs and we mm-hmm. uh and we would try and collab with other clubs yeah it's like it's a headache. one or two there was one or two that worked really, really well. I mean, specifically the horror movie club. They were always down and they were always fantastic. One time we tried to club uh, to collab with a club that I don't want to drag through the dirt right now. But they sent a guy and that guy was like, we are so happy to collab with this club. And then he left five minutes. In. He left before the movie started. And I was like, this is a three. Why did you even send him in that, in that case? What's going on? It was out of respect. And he <laughs> threw away that respect when he left. Out of respect, that they send someone to insult us. Respect, cool. disrespect. Wait, what's the? It's like respect Respectful us disrespectfully. Disrespect. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I just want to focus on focus on us. But yeah, it was a whole process. Though. It was like it was really tough. I think the biggest thing was just I starting out from like no momentum. And, uh, it was also the first time, oh no, I had, I had run a club like by myself before and like worked out. It's just doing that. I needed 
I needed a lot more time, right? Because I, I ran the esports club for um, a few years and a couple years were by myself, but it took me a while to like understand like what worked and what didn't and like to actually make the club grow. And I feel like with Heatwave, I learned a lot quicker, but also like I still needed more time because th those first meetings, I mean, Ivana knows they were, they were really unfocused and messy. And I think I made a big mistake and cause I, I knew I was leaving and I really wanted to make sure my, my primary focus was that I really hope this club could live on without, without me. So I was pushing a lot of like, I want people to work on their own things and I want you to be independent. And I didn't realize how bad that was because, um, I, I mean, this is just life in general, but like a lot of people will talk about what they want to do. Um, very few people actually do it. So I was hearing a lot of talking. I was like, okay, this is good. But then the talking went on for a long time about the projects we wanted to do. And it was tough for me because it wasn't my project. So I couldn't be like, hey, we're going to do this now. And we're going to do it my way because that kind of defeated what I want to do, right? Okay, I feel like that really came to a head in like the first project we were planning to do, which was a podcast on the street type of thing. I, that was one of the ones I wrote for originally. And I guess like there was like two major issues. Like one was the whole COVID situation. We wrote to the student uh, union about that, I believe. It was like one of the only projects that we actually like coordinated with them on. And they mm -hmm. said we couldn't like film with a table on the street. And there's also the issue of the fact that uh, the people, like the person who originally idea was, I guess really didn't really take a leadership role and everybody else was kind of, I guess, didn't want to step on their toes too much. Yeah. There was a couple people that came up with the idea and a lot of people liked it. Um, but yeah, in the end it wasn't, I couldn't do much because I couldn't, I couldn't get people to do it unless I was like doing it myself. And that's the biggest thing I learned too, is that like, people will do things if they if they see you doing it first if that makes sense it makes mm -hmm. it a lot easier for them but in my position and the way i set the club up at first i had no ability to push a project forward because if i and then if i was like okay i'm gonna do this myself or like with yuvana then i look like an asshole because i'm just taking their idea and then like making the project my own i didn't want to do that either so it was just like i think we met for the first time late october and then we got that idea and then we had three meetings from what I remember that had like a lot of people. There was like, mm -hmm. like 20, 20 to 30 people showed up for those meetings too. But it, and it just kind of like, we just kept talking about it and nothing happened. And I think that at that point we lost a lot of interest because nothing was actually happening. Um, that was like a big mistake on my part because we hadn't, we had zero momentum and it was also because we started so late, it, it was like mid, late November. So we had to deal with the weather, everything about the weather. And also people had midterms. And like, um, I've learned this from like being an RA and like doing club stuff. But like, there's a lot of clubs just die out in November because students realize like, oh, I'm stressed about school. I don't have any free time. And mm -hmm. uh, in this case, it was it was pretty bad because especially because we had no foundation for the club at that point. We had no projects. We had nothing, no progress. So, yeah. It's really sad to hear you say there was no momentum because a running theme in the, in the interviews I've done so far or in the interviews we've done so far is like, there's always been some momentum. I can't remember if I said it 
while recording or not. But I was talking to someone and it feels to me like Heatwave has always been in a state of there's a lot of momentum. It's just that like nothing is happening with that momentum. There's so much potential. It's there. It's ready to go. And like, it's not, and like nothing happens. Nothing quite delivers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's basically, (laughs) you you explained that very well. That was good. But then like, here's a question that I've, I keep trying to ask people, but everyone has a really, really good excuse not to answer the question, but you don't. So what happened during COVID? Oh, I guess it was a me thing. I was hoping you were talking to Yuvarna. Well, Uh, Yuvarna, I'm sure you also have some input on this, but like right when COVID started is probably where this, the answer to this question starts. Um, well, I, I think to be honest, I just, I think heat, heat wave had been really lost for a long time. I rem, I remember when I was, I think it was in my, my fifth year and I was working for the Phoenix and I was just really excited. I had a lot of ideas and I really wanted to talk to heat wave, um, and see what they were up to. And I met with Tyron and Meredith who were really nice, but I think I brought them a lot of ideas and they they were basically like, I mean to like to be fair I was like a random guy who came in I was like I really want to work on this and that but they basically said like oh we we thought of these we're gonna do them like and they did do some of, I, I remember talking about doing listening parties and they did do them and they were kind of like mm-hmm. they were they were uh, I'd say moderately successful like they brought some new people in I love where they did it too that was really smart they did it in commons with the um the media room with all the TVs. So it's very easy for people passing by to be like, oh, like, this is kind of cool. There's like free food and merch and people listen to music and just hanging out. I, I mean, Jeff, you went to those. I went to a couple, that. yeah. Yeah, I've seen I you think there. I pitched, I think <laughs> I might have pitched this show at one of those. Yeah. And I definitely pitched the Leo podcast at one of them. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I think that was a great idea. But I, like, I would have loved to work with Heatwave, have worked with Heatwave earlier, but it didn't feel like they really like wanted to um, hear what I had to say at the time, which is again, totally fair because I was coming out of nowhere, but I just like a lot of the, I, I, other than the listening parties, I just feel like they, they focused a lot of their attention on making the internet radio thing a possibility. And especially because I think Tyron and Meredith were both, I think Tyron graduated last, last year. So he was already like very uninvolved um because you know he had to focus i think he was like engaged too at the time too he had like a lot going at the time so it was mostly on meredith so uh and she so she was trying to set that up and i think because of the focus on that going into covid we couldn't like and then the thing is during covid we couldn't access the office so like the internet radio thing just was completely gone like you could not work on that um and also like the listening parties which were great those couldn't exist and then so we had like no real online presence at all to carry into COVID if we did like if we had some focus on online stuff I think it could have been great during COVID because like I remember in the esports club like we grew a lot during COVID because I focused a lot of attention on online events and stuff I think Heatwave could have we could have done the same thing but I mean I think that's partly on me I think I could have done better as the outreach coordinator during that time but we ju- there was just no online presence other than like I think our podcast Jeff, at the time. That was also <laughs> the year where we switched to Spotify, which yeah. like 
that kind of made us more independent from Heat Wave, basically. It, yeah, it made us more independent. And like, I always do say, you know, I always introduce Heat Wave Radio at the beginning of our episodes, but like, it was basically not tied to Heat Wave Radio at all at that point. Yeah. And then I worked on, there was a couple other podcasts that I kind of set up, but only one. Like, there was a couple that people did for like or were like they would email us about it or i'd email other clubs and be like hey like would you be interested in collaborating on a podcast i could set everything up for you you just have to like speak in a mic and then i'd like post it on our website and on soundcloud and everything or even on i think i offered on spotify too and people would like be interested for like a couple emails but then they would just kind of stop talking from what i remember except for one day we had like a, a bachelorette show and someone would like review each week of the bachelor. I actually really liked that show. I thought it was cute. <laughs> um, and that, that's the one, that was the only one that I think she made like 15 or 20 episodes and she was great. Oh, to wow. work with. I can't remember her name, honestly, but she, she was like the only, she's in like the two years I've been a part of heat wave and trying to set up podcast. She's the only one that actually like had an idea and stuck with it and actually like went through with it. And I really respect that because not a lot of people do that. So thank you. I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. I doubt you're listening right now, but thank you, Bachelor, Bachelor slash Bachelorette commentator. If for... we find a way to, like, if we find out where that show <laughs> is, if it still exists, we'll link to it yeah. in this episode. <laughs> yeah. When when everything was back on campus, uh, Yavarna, you already sort of mentioned a little bit how you uh, found out about Heatwave, but what was your impression, not when you actually went to the meeting, but before? Like, what did you see about Heatwave that made you want to go to that meeting? I guess, like, they focused a lot on, like, hey, you can, like, do your own projects. You can, like, learn how to edit. You can learn how to, like, write. Focused, like, a lot on, I guess, working with people on different projects. And I thought we saw that was interesting, since I had an interest in writing. And I'm always, like, writing for, like, other people's projects and ideas. So mm. I'm like, oh, this is something I'm interested in. It's something I can work with. And I just thought that, I guess, creating videos and, like, stuff like that was a cool idea that I hadn't, like, done in a long time. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there was, like, a, a, a much bigger focus on, like, instead of being, like, come to our club, you can do paperwork. It was, come to our club, you can actually create something. Yeah, there was a huge focus on, hey, you can, like, do your own projects, like, super, like, interactive. Because, like, again, like you said, I don't think people would come if they say, hey, come here and do paperwork. (laughs) Yeah, one thing we struggled with during my time was, like, you know, the only thing we want to promote to people is listen to our shows or come and make a show. But because we didn't have the infrastructure, when people actually came to the meeting, it was like, all right, you're trapped now come do our paperwork. Yeah, no, uh, there wasn't really any of that. Even, like, continuing into Heatwave, it was, like, other than, like, the problems with, like, planning, I guess, it was very, very create-your-own-thing-focused. We never really had to do, other than that, like, one SEO, not, like, meeting, but email, where we tried to coordinate on that podcast in the street, it was very just go into a place and film. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess with that, I want to get to a question that I've, tried to ask everybody are, are the two of you still with heatwave in any capacity uh sure. that's complicated like <laughs> i'm uh yeah i technically am no longer like officially a part of heatwave since i'm no longer at the university right uh 
but I'm still like involved as in I have access to like the social medias. I respond to the DMs sometimes. Yeah, was DMs. that you? That yeah, that was me. Okay, cool. I was like, I don't, this is way, way too well articulated for me to have said this. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I still on the Discord, like do stuff on there. I still like yeah. manage part of like the YouTube. We had a, the, the new Discord member and Ivana waved at them. Yes. Yeah. So like, I'm still like, I guess like, I'm mostly like a social media person, so I'm helping to like manage the social medias, but I'm no longer like directly involved in like video production or like content creation. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pierre, as the previous, as the former <laughs> president, are you still the president? I mean, I guess <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Nothing's really happening, but you know, I still, I've always been really passionate about like student clubs, and I feel like heat wave i still really love the idea i had for it going into the last year because we we were doing really i thought we were doing really well towards the end of the year like we actually had like a lot of momentum if i was if only i hadn't graduated you know mm -hmm. i had failed another class or something like i think i could have left it or we could have left it at a much better place at, in the next year because we were getting a lot of attention like i was getting recognized on campus and people would be like hey you're the heat wave guy i'd be like Okay. <laughs> you know, it was really Thanks. cool. I, I really liked that. And, you know, I thought like working with Yvonne was amazing because it's like, she's good at everything I'm terrible at. And so I'm really thankful for having met Yvonne or like I get the opportunity to have worked with Yvonne because like, I think she's also taught me a lot. I'm like, I want to do things. And, uh, and she helped make like the momentum we reached in the second half could not have been done without her because sometimes she was the only one that would show up too. And she's very consistent and like I, I trusted her with like uh, all the writing and stuff because she was amazing at it. So yeah, I think that was, did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, definitely did. We're running up on probably as long as I want this to go. So I think like, I I definitely hope that there continues to be a future for Heatwave and it sounds like <clears throat> it still exists. I don't know if there's a new president, you said, when I asked you if you were still the president, you said, I guess. So like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's anyone <clears throat> no still, one, still there on campus. No one wants to be the president. I know the people, like I messaged some, or, well, at least like one or two people. Uh, I think they would be interested in making content. I just, if I can figure out a way to potentially coordinate more content from here, I will do so. But in the meantime, I will be posting i posted a reel last week that got uh, a nice amount of views um i might do more of that i might try to do like one a week because again it's like people will see it either way and reels are really easy to make so ideally if i keep doing it consistently and people notice it and people like the person that dm'd us last week are interest also interested in making reels and if i can hopefully inspire them to make their own about ubco then they will take up the mantle next year or this year, whenever, please, <laughs> as yeah. soon as possible. Uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's the current plan right now is just like try to do what I can from here. And uh, hopefully that'll inspire some amount of interest in potentially running it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Pierre and Yuvarna for honestly educating me about what's been going on with Heatwave because I, and yeah, I I always just a little bit out of the loop. <laughs> and like, that's 
it's it's my own fault too. Like I don't ask nearly enough. I have a bad history of getting just a little bit fed up with something and then dropping it entirely. So, all right. Yeah. I think that's going to be it. Thank you guys so much. Hello, we are back in, I guess this, would this be the first interview, Jeff? It's, it's hard to know because these are all done pretty much out of order and I haven't, I'm not 100% sure when the order, what the order is, but this is probably going to be the, either the first or the second. This is the first or second interview with Jeff, featuring Jeff Bulmer of Heatwave uh, Media, formerly known as Heatwave Radio, as we recently clarified. Um, <laughs> Jeff, how, how did Heatwave become founded? Was it, is it your baby? Would you describe it as your baby? I would describe a lot of elements of it as my baby. Uh, it was definitely it was definitely a very collaborative effort during my time. Um, but like, uh, I think the history of Heatwave goes technically all the way back to 1993. But then in my first year, I was looking for things to do on campus. And specifically, I was looking for like media related things because I had, I, I always knew I wanted to go into computer science when I was in university, but I had like entertained ideas of maybe going to film school or doing something in media production as well. So I was looking for stuff like journalism, um, radio, um, film clubs. And I found a club called or well i think they were i'm not sure what they were advertised as at the time but heatwave radio which uh i went to one of their meetings and i was literally the only person that showed up um and uh i was the only person that showed up other than the person who at the time was the last remaining member of heatwave radio a guy named stefan i think uh might have been stefan i can't remember um but at the time, like, he didn't really know what was going on at the time. So, like, you know, I came in and I was like, I, oh, like, I like to do, like, music reviews. And he's like, yeah, just send them to me and I'll post them. He's like, okay. I don't, I don't know what's going on, though. So, like, it was cool, but it kind of never went anywhere. And then um, later on that year, I was in a creative writing class with some people who were um, with, with one guy, especially who was very intent on just doing something. He wanted to do everything that there was. He had a lot of ideas. Um, and he was like, we need to start a student radio. And I'm like, I agree. Did you know, there's already a dude who's do it, who did it. And we like managed to get back together with him. Uh, this guy brought together a few of his friends, uh, including what's his name? Uh, Sam Hunt. And over time, we started the work of like putting together a student radio problem was uh, that's a really big undertaking. And most of the first, most of the first bits of work that need to go into it are not fun. Interesting. Well, what, what's like, I guess the not fun part was I've had to guess uh, working with the students union. Uh, not even because like the part that I'm talking about, like eventually the students union becomes a big problem in the history of heat wave radio. And like, it doesn't necessarily take too long, but the parts I'm thinking of is like, I was interested in looking into things like 
a student newspaper and a student radio, not because I wanted to set up those things. I wanted to create like, you know, I wanted to create a radio program. I wanted to create a podcast, stuff like that. And the very first thing you need to do when setting up a radio station is make a budget and figure out your finances, which is not something I'm interested in. It's something I had to do, but it's not something I was very interested in doing. And it makes it really hard to recruit people because very few people are actually super interested in that. Yeah, that's fair. Did, did you eventually find people that were interested in that? We found people who were interested primarily in other things, but very, no, but interested enough to like work towards getting us there. Cause like, uh, one of our first, one of, one of our, like two of our most important members really early on were a guy named Trophy Awila, who, um, was our administrative, I can't remember his name or not his name, his title administrative assistant. I think he basically like kept all of our paperwork in check and constantly was liaising with the, uh, with UBC media studios. I think it is. At the time, it was UBCO. At the time, I don't remember what it was called. So uh, UBC Media Studios, he was liaising with them constantly and like keeping on top of our finances and all that. Uh, a guy named uh, Kevin, whose last name I am unfortunately forgetting at the time, he was also really important to our finances. And then a guy named Easton Doran, who like got us right out the gate with some kind of content. Like he was... Uh, he was making, he's, he's kind of, he's a bit of a musician himself. So like he was talking to local musicians, he was interviewing local musicians. He was trying to coordinate content as much as he could. He was our programming uh, coordinator, might've been programming, programming director. And like, he was, he was really, really good in uh, getting us early content, even while most of our meetings were let's sit around and pretend that we know how to sign forms because that's what we have to do. If it's all right, if I jump in, I'm curious about like the actual programming that the radio did because a lot of it isn't available now. So I'm just wondering what kind of things did you guys do on the radio? So at the time, like at the time there basically, it was very, very difficult for us to get any programming. We, that was one of the first things we had to figure out is how are we even going to do programming? I think originally um, we bought a computer that would run some radio software and we kept that updated with playlists, like actually like small town radios do. And that would go, that would feed into our online radio platform, which I actually don't know what the online radio platform we used was at the time. Uh, I also am not 100% sure how to access it because another problem was that we needed to set up a website in order to have that go to anything. So initially, even though it's fairly easy to get the software to set up like a playlist that will become a radio, um, we had a lot of trouble distributing that anywhere. And that was a big that was a big bureaucratic hurdle we had to get over right away while other things were going on too. So how did so, you guys like kind of get over that? Like, where did you end up putting everything? 
So this is where uh, something that Meredith and also Pierre have talked about comes from that I don't know if you guys knew came from this. Uh, Originally, so very early on, I kind of figured that it was not going to be feasible for us to be a, it was not going to be short-term feasible for us to become a actual community radio station. Uh, That was a long-term goal that I hoped we would work towards, but there's a lot of hurdles for that. One, like the software troubles I just talked about. So it was hard to become an internet radio station that way. And that was before internet radio was quite as prominent as it is now. It's probably a little bit easier to set up now than it was then, but even now I'm not going to assume it's really easy. Um, so there's that. And also, I don't know if you guys know this, but because UBCO is very close to an airport, uh, we can't set up a radio tower because that could interfere with the airplanes and that is illegal. So it was not short term feasible for us to become a radio station in any form. So when I became president, cause I was the, I was the second president of Heatwave radio. Uh, when I became president, My goal was in the short term to get us doing something as fast as possible. I want, I had joined to do some content. I know that the easiest way to get people to join is to uh, bring them in with the promise of doing content. Um, So I was like, let's do something where we can get people in to do content. So that's where I came up with the idea of a podcast network uh, because I was like, podcasts are super easy to do. They're super easy to figure out how to edit. Like, are are people that are already good with as sound engineers? Because like we had some people who were very skilled sound engineers, Easton Doran specifically, awesome at it. Uh, they could already edit podcasts if they needed to, because podcasts don't necessarily take that. They're not. Nec- they don't have to be that hard to edit depending on what you want to do with them. And in fact, like most people who record a podcast can be taught to do, to do the editing themselves. So like podcasts are potentially very easy and cheap content to create right out the bat, right out the gate. And podcast networks were something I was familiar with because I was a big Kevin Smith fan at the time who does like a million podcasts on his own little net- network. So I'm like, if we create basically an umbrella that is heatwave radio. And under that, we have several different shows that gives us a lot of content. And if we have an internet radio at any point, we just cycle that content in, we schedule it in, it plays, we've got radio, boom, we're done. So early on, when I became president, I tried to pivot us as hard as I could into becoming a podcast network which from the interviews I'm, uh, I've, from the interviews I've conducted so far, Seems like that became a bit of a running theme. So that part, I consider my baby. And I'm glad that uh, it carried on as long as it did, even if that was maybe not everyone's favorite part of the radio. That's fair. I I mean, what, was it tough working like as... Because I get for such a new club, right? Is, was it tough like finding out... Or like isolating your role or being like, like, this is my role, but I hate how this guy's doing it or something like that. Was that tough at all? Because like for us, it was like so focused that I feel like we're all working on the same. Like me and Yovano worked on the same thing, right? 
but you guys had like multiple facets to deal with. Yeah, it was, that was really tough. And I actually, I was not the president for very long because it was making me, uh, it was, it was making my blood, the consistency of jelly. Like I could not deal with it. Uh, so I was there for a year and like, it would get to the point where I, I don't know how I was perceived in those meetings. Cause I got really angry a lot. There was one time where I just like slammed my fists in the table, stood up and pointed at like five people. And I was like, you, 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 you shut up. We're going to finish the meeting now. And like, I, I was told afterwards by our, uh, by our, faculty liaison or by our faculty advisor probably not the classiest move who is your like, faculty liaison at the time or not liaison advisor our faculty advisor was Ro- rosemary thompson and she was very gentle about it she said i understand what you were trying to do it was probably not the best way to do it that's fair who was the uh wait, wait, wait were they uh wait sorry did you say they were a teacher uh, they were, so Rosemary um, used to run UBC Media Studios. Oh, okay. So they were like, uh, that was that, oh, no, UBC Studios. Okay, cool. Yeah. So they, yeah. was that, was that like, so did you coordinate with Rosemary from the start? Yeah. Rosemary was an incredible resource for us. Uh, she has worked in radio and in like television before. So she has a lot of actual media experience and she really helped guide us through the paperwork to set up as an official society under the BC Societies Act. And also like showing, guiding us from her real world experience, like how can we do things like, how can we create this in the right way? And then how can we start producing content as quickly as possible? When I told her, you know, when I would tell her things along the lines of, you know, I want to start making shows, she had show ideas. I think we recorded like two pilots, just me and her. Uh, I'm, I'm oh. excited. I haven't conducted the interview with her yet, but she has confirmed. And I'm really excited for it because I personally think we have pretty good on-air chemistry. Oh. But uh, we'll see. Oh, that's sweet. Um, okay, so then what what happened? Uh, like, what, when did you leave around... Did you say? So I I left after a as year of being president. I left as an executive after yeah. a year of being president in 2015. Oh, uh, so you because, were like done after that. Well, I was done in the executive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I, at that point, I had, at that point, I thought, uh, I personally felt that we had the infrastructure to create shows and I was already recording a show. So I was like, I want to focus on the content creation and I want to be as far away as I can from the paperwork if that is okay with everyone. And we had someone who was already kind of uh, taking a more active role uh, both in that and as a station manager. So uh, I left and passed off my passed off president to um, Easton Doran, who was really, really good as president. Uh, but... I did not get to see much of him as president because by that point I was trying to stay as far away from the bureaucracy as I could, because there were some times when I was just like, you know, it, it was, it was affecting me too much. And, uh, I don't know. I, I have very thin skin actually. So. That's fair. I, it is, it is, I guess I could see 
coordinating all those fasts would probably be really frustrating. Well, um, and like you like you said, there were so many facets because we had one guy whose entire job it was to try and over several years coordinate with the engineering faculty to get them to build us a radio tower. Mm-hmm. Like that was that wasn't like this is your job, make it happen. It was like this is something we could actually do. He had actually talked to engineering people about it. Mm-hmm. It was something he was starting to like work on, which I don't know if that ever went anywhere. But like it was a five-year project, probably, and the, and a big problem we ran into right away was by the time I was president, we had a single first-year student, which isn't horrible. But the biggest problem with student radio or with any student club is that you have ma- like any one person is going to be there for probably maximum five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's and not like great. if that person started in third year, they're not going to be there for five years. Yeah, not great for sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, did did you did you ever want to go back? Like, were you were you watching stuff happen afterwards? You're know, like, ah, like I could do it better. Like, I like I miss I miss the grind or whatever. See, I have th- I've 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 worn a lot of hats in my day at UBCO. So there have been places where like there've been uh roles that I have either given up or moved on from where I have wanted to go back and been like I could do this better or I don't agree with the way this person is doing it. A specific one is uh, I was I was the arts editor for the Phoenix News for a year and um I very, very, I was a very harsh critic of the of future arts editors when they weren't doing things the way that I would have liked them to do them. Mm-hmm. To do them, uh, but I never felt that way with Heatwave. Like there was never a point where I wanted to, where I was like, I should be president again, because one, I didn't like being president. It was very stressful, and while I hope I did a good job, I don't think it was like, I don't necessarily think that. Uh, my skill set meant that I was the best choice for president. But then at the same time, like the person who who came after me was at least while I was there, actually the best choice for being president. And I don't know after that, but like from my experience with Heatwave later on, there was never a point where I was like, I could do a better job than that person is doing. I always think that they have like good people for the job. Straight up, when I have heard, when I've talked to you in an in an interview that will be in this podcast much later, when I talk to you about your time as president, I would not be able to do what you did as president. Heatwave under Heatwave under me was very different, and I don't necessarily think it was better or worse. But I would not have been able to run it the way that you were able to run Heatwave. Yeah, I definitely could not have run it the way. That <laughs> sounds like a headache. All the different um aspects so so then when you uh you started but you started to work with heatwave again when you when you wanted to make a podcast right yeah so uh 2015 i was doing a podcast which exists somewhere in the ether uh called off the cuff with my friend alex shaw which was like it was a general pop culture podcast it was mostly movies and video games but it was just kind of like everywhere. The whole point of it was that it was called Off the Cuff because it was, we didn't really talk too much about what we were going to do beforehand. And we just went in and started talking about things. Sometimes it was a huge mess. Sometimes it was fine. 
There's one episode I don't think we ever put up because it was way too much of a mess. Mm-hmm. But most of it was like, most of it was fine. Anyway, I was doing that at the time. And um, eventually that petered out for different reasons. A big one being uh, neither me nor Alex really enjoyed audio editing very much. And we had to do it because at the time there weren't really that many editors at Heatwave. It was just, you have to do your own editing. Um, So then like when that petered out and I didn't have anything there, I also was like graduating at the same time. I think I stopped doing that podcast with Alex probably the year before my fifth year of university which was my hardest year of university. Like I would go to, I would go to campus at eight in the morning and come back at three in the morning. Like it was, it was bad. Oh my um, God. But like, uh, so I, I stopped there and Heatwave kind of fell completely off my radar. Other than that, I knew they existed and I liked that they existed, but I didn't have much to do with them. And then my first year of my master's, I think, is when I came back and was like, well, Heatwave still exists. They seem to have a more, they seem to be slightly different than when I last left them. I wonder if I could do a show for Heatwave. Also, I have a cool idea. And there's this person in my machine learning class who happens to also be on the Phoenix. And I've talked to him a couple of times. Why don't we, why don't we, instead of being rivals, just review movies together? (laughs) Oh, you heard that line about the... (laughs) I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't not true though. Yeah, no, you would always. <laughs> sorry, Yvonne doesn't know, but we would we would both pitch. We were working on the Phoenix. We would both pitch movie reviews, but Jeff would always get like the good movie that came out that week. So I'd have to find some like trash to watch <laughs> instead. I mean, you watch Anna Kendrick, so I think you continued that. We, line. <laughs> we, we decided to watch trash together. That's the, it. Made it better. Well. I mean, yeah, because, like, I remember I would go into the Phoenix meetings and I would be like, all right, this is the week that Overlord comes out. It's mine. I'm going to yeah. go in. They'd be like, pitches. And I'm like, I would I like I to rem- cover the Nazi zombie movie. I think I remember that, like, specifically because I, I remember thinking, like, wow, this movie looks really cool. And I think there was, like, nothing else that week. And that not, like, the week before, the week after, too. And I was like, what? I, I don't even think I reviewed a movie. I think I had to, like, review something or, like write an actual article about something else like <laughs> and i hate that because it's like i had no idea what to write about so yeah that was it was always stress i think jeff would go first too all the time too yeah, it'd be the if first I could, one because i always yeah. came in with an idea yeah exactly um but yeah what do you think is like the highlights or like the one thing like you remember from your time at heatwave like if you can point to like one accomplishment you did in your time there that you're like this is like my golden moment what would it be uh, when I was there, I mean, I've already kind I've already kind of said it, but I want to like really stress it. When we started, our goal was to become an in-person radio station that moved to an online radio station. And I, it seems like a step down to say podcast network, but I'm actually really proud of, uh, how hard I leaned into promoting a podcast network instead of the other options, because I think, because like the part of Heatwave Radio that continued for so long up until Heatwave Media, um, and like kind of a little bit afterwards, but like specifically all the way until then, was a podcast network. And while I think that could have happened without me, 
I personally think I was super instrumental in doing that. And as soon as I got into my head that this is what we're going to do, my entire focus as president became divert all uh, divert all of our resources to doing this. If I have any, for any resources I have control over. And I like to believe that because of me, that got started the way it did and other people took it over afterwards and did way better stuff with it. But I like to think that like, without me, that would not have started the way that it did. That's beautiful. Are, so, are you sad that it's are, dead now? <laughs> am I sad that the podcast network is dead? Uh, yeah. Just like, it does it like when you look back, are you like, are you, do you, do you really, are you, are you kind of, is it more like bittersweet, like that, that that's kind of gone away or is it like, you know, how, how mad are you at me for, for <laughs> killing that off is what I'm saying. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not mad. I'm, I'm not mad at you for anything, Thank but you. I'm like, I'm, I'm a little sad that I think like something that's a recurring theme I think I've said this before in this exact words too. Something that's a recurring theme through these interviews is there seems to me to be almost no point in Heatwave's history where Heatwave has not had a lot of momentum. And I just feel like so often through not necessarily any one person's fault, that momentum just hasn't been able to be used the way it, like in the best possible way. I don't, I think that half, I think that most of the time it's because the best possible way to use that momentum isn't obvious or like findable at all. Like, you know, um, and I think there's like some things that have come up to some smaller, some smaller issues that, you know, but that turnaround is really hard. Like when, when you took over from Meredith or when Meredith took over from, I believe Easton, you guys, Tyrant. Well, when Tyron took over from Easton, then <laughs> you guys were left with you guys were left with very little in the way of foundation. There was a lot there, but because you guys were relatively new to it, you guys didn't know what was there or how to use those resources. And that I think is the biggest thing that I always am sad about when I think back on Heatwave Radio, because if if there was any kind of continuity then like if if there if heatwave had been able to keep that continuity going then like it could be a lot further than it is right now and i think that like where it is right now isn't necessarily bad it's just still at the beginning of its life and i think that it could be i think that after I think someone said like after five years, the student union was like, well, you should be a lot bigger by now. I agree. It's just that we've never quite been able to get there because it's so hard to, it's so hard to run with this constant momentum that we can't really use the way we need to. Yeah, I get that. I'm like, I don't know if I'm interpreting all of that right, but that's what I think about when I think back on Heatwave Radio, if there's any bittersweet memories. Usually it's just like, that sure is cool and I like Heatwave Radio a lot. But, you know, when I have things to think about, like, oh man, we could have done this better. It's just that. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, it kind of seems like every person, new person who comes in has to kind of reinvent the wheel with Heatwave. Mm -hmm. 
And like the whole point when we started it of doing things the right way, being a society under the Societies Act, getting all of our paperwork out of the way. We did, we basically spent an entire year on paperwork, probably a year and a half. And it wasn't done after that year and a half. It's just we did nothing else for that year and a half. The whole point of doing all of that stuff the way we did and starting with all of that was so that we would never have to reinvent the wheel. And unfortunately, the way things worked out, it's exactly like, it's exactly like that. We had to, you know, successive teams of heatwave uh, executives have had to reinvent the wheel every couple of years. Yeah. So. I, I was saying about anyway. making an analogy to Game of Thrones, but um, nothing, I got nothing. <laughs> it it really is people. like the Game of Thrones. It's just a game. Let you down. Of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> it ends on a disappointing note every time. <laughs> but no, like I, I am uh, far more optimistic in every aspect of my life than I probably should be. And I definitely think that uh, I think there is a future for Heatwave. And I just hope that I'm right about that. I don't even know how to say that beyond that. Just like, I think there's there's always a lot of potential there. It's there. It's just that like, it doesn't, it doesn't always go where it needs to. And I hope that eventually, you know, someone comes in, maybe it's, maybe it's even you, Pierre, and like, figures out what to do with that. It's, it's hard to say that it's you because you have graduated. So it probably <laughs> yeah, is someone else. It's not the best person to put your hope in, but <laughs> we'll see. I'll be happy if we outlive the Phoenix. I think we'll have accomplished our goal. I think that's the main... If we outlive the, <laughs> the, Fe- main... if we outlive the Phoenix, that's going to be shocking because the Phoenix has a 40-year history. Although, I mean, that's an entire topic for a different I'll day. Do what I but must. they are... I don't know what's going on with the Phoenix, but no one does. I I did I did try to get I did try to get a former Phoenix uh, executive to talk to on this show, for this show, but yeah. like I don't really want to talk to any of the current Phoenix executives. Maybe I should, but like I don't know why what they would have to do with Heatwave Radio necessarily. They wouldn't. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the Phoenix. If if you're listening to this, I'm just still very salty, but I'm sure you'll outlive us. But not if I can help it, is what I'm saying. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank, uh, thank you, Jeff, for the interview. Yeah. So thanks for your will, time. This will probably be the first or second, at least most of it. Maybe parts of this will be switched later on, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, at this point, probably we're going to go into whatever the next interview is. So listen out for that. And probably you won't because I'm probably going to edit this whole part out here anyway. But thank you guys for uh, thank you guys for interviewing me. I always like talking about myself because I am very conceited. So I appreciate when people give me that opportunity. I love to facilitate narcissism. So this is great. (laughs) (laughs) So as you heard, that was the first or second interview with Jeff. Um, These are currently, I'm giving you these in the order we put them in, but I'm sure by this point, if you've been listening to all of them uh, right now, I'm sure that by this point you 
it's it's pretty clear we couldn't use them in the in in any really specific order. We picked and cho- we picked and chose from them because that makes sense. That's what you got to do. That last interview was edited fully by Brian. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, behind the scenes, he was we had him editing. You know, lots of all of our normal content. While this was going on, like I said, this was like a three-month project. So I was doing a bit a bit of the editing just sort of as we went along. Um, but I, Brian did that one. Um, in addition to the normal editing, we were still having him do. So thank you so much, Brian. Anyway, on to the next interview. This is one that... This one is one of the longest ones we have. I have the the uned the completely unedited, like not taking out any um, any dead air or anything version of this is I think forty three minutes. The edited version is gonna probably be about forty minutes still, uh, and this one actually went on for a long time after the micro after the mics were off too. I didn't use any of that obviously, because I couldn't, but I was very sad that I had turned off my mic because we started getting even more cool stuff. Unfortunately, all of that is lost to time. This is going to be our interview with Tyron Lake, uh, who was the previous president or the former president of Heatwave Radio um, and currently can be found streaming on twitch.tv at twitch.tv slash pyrasplays. There will be a link to that in the description. And there was a link to that in the description of the finished episode, too. So check it out. So I am here with Tyron Lake, former president of Heatwave Radio. How are you doing, Tyron? I'm doing great. Doing great. We've talked a little bit about it off air. The point of these interviews is just sort of to get an idea of what your history with Heatwave is. And there's no better place to start with that than at the very beginning. How did you first hear about Heatwave Radio? Uh, In my very first year on club day, I had like no interest in joining any clubs. I was just walking in between classes. I was like, oh, I'm in first year engineering, full course load. There's no way I can can do any club activity or anything. And uh, as I was walking through, I can't remember exactly what the music was, but Sam Hunt and Ahmed Durar, who were both uh, staff at Heatwave at that point, had a booth set up and they had like the big monitors that Heatwave had for a long time and they were blasting music in the uh, courtyard there. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, So I I decided to just go by and and chat with them because they were playing music that I liked. And that conversation ended up turning into like a two hour conversation until the end of Expo. And I got like I was going home, I think, at that point, actually, it was like the end of the day. And I I ended up like missing three buses. (laughs) I just stayed and talked with them the whole time. Uh, And they had a sign up sheet and I just immediately signed up because I had a ton of uh, interest in music. I was in bands and stuff when I like before I moved to Kelowna and went to UBCO. Uh, so it just piqued my interest right away. So what was that first year like right after you signed up? They didn't like have you sign up for president, I'm assuming. No, no. Uh, I, I was a general volunteer uh, at first. So I, I had a couple of meetings with the then station manager, Easton, um, and Ahmed and Sam, who were, I believe, the programming manager. And I can't remember what the other official position was, but... The big kind of thing that I did in that year uh, was I, did, I helped out a lot with the 
uh, water park event that they did. So they basically, they set up a big slip and slide on campus and filled up like thousands of water balloons and just had a big water balloon fight right behind where the commons is now in that big field back there. And yeah, I was there like taking people's tickets when they came into the venue and helped sell tickets. And that, that was pretty much my involvement with that part. And then after that, Easton wanted me to start learning how to use all of the equipment on mm-hmm. like just in the booth because I had experience with music production and things beforehand. Um, so then I started doing like interviews with artists and helping out with editing of podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that was most of my involvement in the first year. And then after that, and in the, the end of the semester, the second semester is when Easton decided that he wanted to leave Heatwave in an official capacity because he was wanting to run for an SUO position uh, in the following semester. And that's kind of when it just fell on my lap. Ahmed and Sam asked me if I would take over as station manager. And that's, yeah, kind of just went on from there. All right. So like you just sort of were designated station manager. Yeah, I I didn't ask for it. <laughs> it was more that uh, I think Easton and I just had a, a good working relationship after a little while because uh, I was just so well-versed in all of the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted somebody that could help out in every single area of the station at that point. And actually recording and editing and all that stuff was a lot of the job. So between my stints at Heatwave Radio, there's several years between like the first time I was at Heatwave and the second time I was at Heatwave. But by the second time I came around, I remember at that point, at least public facing, Heatwave was just you and Meredith. How did you find the experience of just taking over as president? And how did it get to the point where Heatwave went from, correct me if I'm wrong, but three people after losing Easton to just yourself and a different second person. Yeah. So there, there was a a period of time right before Sam and Ahmed were graduating Mm -hmm. that we knew that they were going to be leaving the station. So uh, over that summer um, we did a complete restructuring of the staff and board of directors. And uh, that's when I took on the official role as president, because before that, I don't even remember who was officially the president on paper at that point. But um, yeah, we we drafted up a whole bunch of job positions with the help of Rosemary Thompson, who's now retired. But she was the manager of, I believe it's UBC Studios, I think is what they were called. I believe so. so. Yeah, we sat down with her a few times over the summer and figured out exactly what our needs were to actually run it in the following year. And uh, we we ran interviews and took an ap- applications at the start of the semester after that summer. And Meredith was one of the applicants. And I believe that the initially she wasn't the programming manager; she was an administrative assistant. And then when Sam was about to graduate, he had begun training her in her position, and she took over as programming manager when he left. How did you find the experience in general of being president? What did you have to do as president? Uh, It was a lot of delegation at first, a lot of uh, training everybody in their roles, just because when you're, we had a lot of students come in that had no experience in radio or anything really audio related. So after kind of getting the 
everything set up at the start of the year. It was a lot of ordering equipment, replacing old decrepit equipment that we couldn't use anymore, actually hire like interviewing and hiring all of the staff that we needed, managing funding and uh, just overseeing everything that was going on. We also held weekly meetings, uh, which I would run uh, with Meredith's help. And that those meetings were with Taylor Wilson, who is a consultant for us, who is now still, I believe, still working at UBC Studios and mm-hmm. Rosemary Thompson. And that's when we would get together every week and kind of get a status update on everything that was going on. And a lot of my job in that capacity was just guiding everything. Um, and then outside of that, I was also one of the audio techs that was producing, I don't even know how many shows at this point, probably five or six at that point. Um, I believe your guys' was included in that for a while too. Probably. Yeah. And then after that, it was a lot more training staff and just ensuring that the long-term sustainability for Heatwave as a nonprofit would survive after I left. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it was a lot of handling kind of the the official side of things, a lot of the licensing too, uh, making sure that um, we were compliant with all of the different uh, rule sets that we had to adhere to, which would be like, what was it? Um, uh, is it NCRA, whatever the federal, <laughs> the something with the, the federal media organization that I can't remember the name of now. Mm-hmm. I think CRTC maybe. Um, yes, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and then just ensuring that uh, we were reporting everything properly because we had to report all of our uh, songs that were played on air because that's how royalties are paid out to artists and reporting that, ensuring that we're playing a certain amount of like Canadian content and all of these kind of bureaucratic things that are that are just the part of the nature of Canadian radio. Mm-hmm. Were you creating content as well or just producing it and then doing lots of behind the scenes stuff? I had started by doing a couple of the shows. There there were a couple that were, I guess, kind of as a tradition, were just done by staff. Um, and those were uh, Artist was one of them, which was anytime we had a touring artist come through Kelowna that sent out emails or letters or whatever it might be to all of the local media platforms, we would always try to book in an interview with them. And when Easton graduated, I had started running that show. And I did that right up until the end of my my job as station manager and president. And uh, I also did a few episodes of Community, which was just essentially a show where we just played music from submissions that we got from members of the community, be it students or artists that were just kind of sending out all of their music to uh, to all the local stations. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, those, those were the two. And then aside from that, I was producing a number of shows as well and just doing all right. of the recording, mixing, editing, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm curious too, how was content delivered at that time? Because when I was there, we briefly kind of had an online radio setup, but I think it was unreliable. At mm-hmm. some point, there probably was a more reliable online setup. Uh, and then I don't currently know how it's how Heatwave content is delivered i think it's very different now actually i have no idea how the content is delivered now because i believe the website that meredith and i built is gone (laughs) it's no longer live i think it still exists because in one of these interviews i was talking to someone and she realized she still had access so it exists okay but it's not live anymore gotcha okay yeah so when 
at, at very first, when I started, all of the shows were hosted on SoundCloud and then embedded on the website. There was not a stream, I believe, at first. I think it was just all uh, like podcast format, like episodes that were uploaded to SoundCloud. We eventually had issues with copyright because uh, a lot of the shows had copyright music and mm. on SoundCloud that's not allowed and for reporting purposes as well because we have to report the music that is played on the station uh soundcloud wasn't a viable option so what we ended up doing and this is like this was meredith's project and she did a wonderful job on it like the website and the stream and everything was pretty much all her like we would talk about features and things that we needed in meetings but she was like a absolute darling for heatwave like did so much good stuff for us um, so she got familiar with a program called My Radio DJ, and that's pretty commonly used by a lot of radio stations, especially community radio stations in Canada and just across North America. So what we started doing is we built a music library of music that we got through submissions from artists or music that people at the station bought and wanted to play on the station, whatever it might be. And uh, she programmed it so that we would have scheduled content that would air on the website stream because we never actually had an FM transmitter. We were always an internet only station. So we had a programming schedule. She would play pre-recorded episodes. Um, I don't believe we ever did any live content, but they were all pre-recorded episodes that would be played throughout the week. And uh, we also had syndicated content, which just means we basically take radio shows from other radio stations that kind of just put them out to all of the stations in North America to borrow to fill out their programming schedule if they need. And whenever there wasn't an episode playing, Meredith just had it so that it would play uh, songs from our library automatically. And it would just, I, I believe the station ran, like the, the music would play from like 10 until five, five days a week or six days a week. And that's how we ran it for that while. And uh, the way that we actually had all of the uh, the programmers at that point share the podcast with us was uh, through Podbean, um, unless they had music. And uh, they uploaded it to Podbean. Meredith would download the episode, put it in my radio DJ to be played on air at a scheduled time. And that's just kind of how it, how it ran. And that was her job as a programming manager at that point, or programming coordinator, was just to make sure that we had our schedule filled out and took care of all of that stuff. All right. I have a couple more questions. The first one is potentially the sad one. Uh, when and why did you leave Heatwave? Um, <laughs> I should ask first, are you guys at all affiliated with the university anymore on the show? At the beginning of every episode, I say Heatwave Radio's classic movies live, but we have no affiliation with the university in any capacity other than that we have now featured several people who went there or worked there on our show? Uh, I'm going to answer that question in a bit of a roundabout way. From my personal perspective, I see like these distinct eras of heatwave radio. And like mm -hmm. the era before I joined, I feel was really focused on events and putting on shows and concerts and things. And they did that and they did that well. Um, but they weren't doing a lot of broadcasting at that. And then mm -hmm. when, I, when I joined, there was uh, about a year where we were focused more on bringing the society up to scratch with like the BC Societies Act, which was a lot of paperwork, a lot of work, not a lot of yeah. broadcasting, quite boring. <laughs> uh, but then after that, when we had that established, we wanted to focus a lot on podcasts and getting students to make podcasts. And I feel like we were doing a really good job of that. We were getting lots of new shows being made and 
the the great thing is as people were making shows you kind of get this knowledge base of people they've got the basics you don't need to train everyone from scratch all the time mm-hmm. and i was i could see us going in that direction of being like really um like especially as we started to try and collaborate more with phoenix news as well where i could see that we were going in a very strong direction there but then of course uh pandemic hit we couldn't have access to our studio equipment and uh, anything like that and we were kind of stuck like okay what what can we focus on now we we tried to do some ideas like sending equipment home with students so they could record from home but it was it's extremely difficult to coordinate especially when people you know they've recorded a few episodes but they're not really feeling confident in their skills yet even when someone's right there with them so they're not really feeling like they want to take the next step and do this completely independently mm-hmm. uh so i was kind of so that didn't work out uh i don't know what you've been up to this past year i suppose but it seems like a bit of trying to do what you can uh videos where you can but it's it's pretty hard to work on but i i see like the strength of heatwave radio i think that we were at our best when we had a lot of different students coming in and making shows and just with the 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 challenges of the radio station in the okanagan just the geography of the valley means that having a radio transmitter is really difficult and it doesn't transmit that far you can rent a transmitter from the CBC or something, but it's like $10,000 a month. So it's kind of like, I didn't really see us going in the direction of actually broadcasting on FM or AM. It would be, you know, a huge commitment, a lot of work, a lot of money, not really worth it. But I mean, everyone, everyone is online all the time. I listen to online radio more often than I listen to FM or AM radio because I don't mm-hmm. have a car, but I'm always on a computer or on my phone. And I felt like, you know, leaning more into the podcasts and the online radio and having student voices and student perspectives and trying to focus as much on our campus and very local ideas and things going on. I feel like that's where Heatwave is at its best. Mm-hmm. During your time at Heatwave Radio, this is hopefully a less, ho- hopefully a much happier question. During your time that you were there, what's one thing that you were really proud of that you did or spearheaded or felt very involved with just one specific thing oh man <laughs> i i think probably the biggest act like actual accomplishment was mm. on the compliance side of things because before that we, we had to do a lot to legitimize like the business side of heatwave and that was kind of mine and meredith's project over the summer when right when Sam and Ahmed had uh, stepped down and graduated. So that was really important for Heatwave to be able to maintain its status as a nonprofit and to be able to attend conferences and stay on air um, and, and not face any any issues uh, bureaucratically. So that that's probably the, the most important thing that I did with Heatwave. But I think the thing that I enjoyed the most um, was right before the end, we had started doing um, listening parties. And that was an idea that Meredith and I had gotten from a conference that we went to in Toronto. Uh, that was the National Radio Conference, like the NCRC. NCRC I think it's the Nat- National Canadian Radio convention or conference or something like that and that that was just a big conference of all the station managers and and programming coordinators and and of community and campus radio stations like across canada and some from the u.s and um 
like during a lot of those events, we were kind of like the new kids on the block. We're, we're all really young. All of the staff at those events were like full-time paid staff. They all been working at their stations for like 15, 20 years. Um, and then there was us and we were like the, the greenest of green. So we we absorbed a ton from them. And the the best idea that we had gotten was to start running more events, but doing them in a sustainable way, you know, not doing like big concerts that were going to be too difficult for such a small team to run. So we, alongside Rosemary and Taylor, started planning these bi-weekly listening parties. And I believe you actually attended a few of those as well. Um, I think I might have pitched a show at one of them. Yes, yes, you did. I do remember that, actually. Um, yeah, and, and those events were really fun. I, I felt like it was just a, a good way to for us to just get more outreach to the student body. And what we did is we just took some of our funding we bought a ton of pizza because students absolutely adore pizza um, and snacks. And we would have like a themed listening party every other week. And we did one for like Halloween where people were coming in costumes. We did one for, I believe, the the Kanye release of that time. I don't even remember what album it is. I'm not a Kanye fan. But those were a, a, a really big success for us. And we uh, were able to get a lot of new shows from that like a, a lot of students found out about us that way because uh, otherwise like other than like the office sign um and the website which we didn't really push in a lot of ways like we, we probably should have advertised it a lot more than we could or than we did but yeah that i felt was so good for the growth and was probably one of the most fun things that we ever did so that yeah that's that's kind of like the one of the shining moments for me with like all of those events. I think Pierre might have actually talked about it when we were talking about his time with Heatwave Radio too. Those listening parties were really nice because you also held them in a, not just a very visible location, but a place that a lot of people would just walk by anyway. Because I don't know if it's been stated anywhere else in this episode, probably not. The Heatwave office isn't exactly prime real estate. No. It's it's not hard to find, but it's right next to the bathroom in like in a hallway that's way just pushed away off in some weird corner of the building. You can find it, but like people aren't accidentally running into it. Where with the no. listening parties, you know, people would show up that might you might not ever see again, but now they know about heatwave. And then plenty of people would show up that would show up to like two or three or four because of any number of reasons. So yeah, that's a, that location in the engagement theater was so underutilized that year. And I was so glad that uh, Rosemary, it, Rosemary was the one who gave us the idea to use that space. And I'm so glad she did because it was so perfect for everything that we needed. Like we had uh, the visuals on like the, I think there was like nine monitors or something. So we could it's show what was being played. We had a visualizer um, and then our signs and we would put up like, posters for some of the shows that were being played on air that week and that kind of stuff. And it was at that, that was, I loved that space, especially it was, it was just nice, like a nice collaborative space. It was easy for everybody to talk to each other. You know, the, the chairs weren't big and clunky. They were were like, I think they had wheels on the bottom. If I'm remembering correctly, they were kind of like steel or like stools that had like wheels and you kind of just go around anywhere in the room. That's kind of what I remember. Yeah. 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 I, I had a, after I left Heatwave and 
things calmed down with school and work, I did like a, a lot of stuff with the UBCO esports club and I kept pushing for them to use that event or use that space for stuff. It's like, please, it's so, it's such a good space. Somebody use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was really, really just an awesome venue. <laughs> so my last question is, um, really it's more of a question for you probably two or three years ago uh (laughs) but it's a question of like what do you see as the potential of heatwave it's kind of what do you see in heatwave's future which is maybe a little more difficult of a question to answer now that you're far away from it but Mm -hmm. i'm still interested i think community and campus radio in Kelowna, and honestly just generally in the okanagan is very untapped there's Peach City Radio in Penticton, but aside from that, I'm not aware of any other community or campus radio station anywhere like in the BC interior. And community radio provides such a great opportunity for people of all backgrounds to have a voice and a platform. And that's something that I really wanted to see more of during my time at UBCO. I felt like there was a really large underrepresentation like that was a weird way to say it but uh, an underrepresentation of the student voice on campus and i think that i I'm, i haven't been on campus in a while aside from just events with the esports club but i i still feel that that's a really untapped market and something that's really important for the student body to have so I, I believe as long as there are students that have something that they want to say, there will be a future for Heatwave. It just might come in waves. I'm not sure where they're at now. Like I saw that there was some issue with like, heat, I, I don't know. If, did, are you aware of Heatwave losing the office? Like, did that happen? I have heard about that. I've I've heard about it from a lot of different people. I don't personally feel comfortable speaking at speaking to it from a firsthand perspective mm-hmm. but yeah there is a lot of uh there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff there and i think i think pierre might have talked about it a little bit yeah i i think i messaged pierre a couple months back asking if he knew like if he'd known anything about that and i just <laughs> i told him just to talk to taylor wilson at, at ubc studios because he would be able to help them with um at the very least having a space to record and i think that's now that ubc studios has a creative space in the commons that is open to students. If anyone wants to launch Heatwave back and and start recording shows and publishing content again, there are opportunities to do that. It's just not going to be as easy as it once was where, you know, we we had our own recording booth and all of the equipment in there, which I am a little bit concerned about like what happened with that equipment if they don't have access to the office anymore, but that's uh, a different, (laughs) that's a tangent I won't go on right now. But um, yeah, I, the way that I see it is if there is a desire from the student body to have that voice, then there's nothing that is going to stop them from doing that, especially because a lot of the infrastructure is already there. Um, And that was kind of what my goal was as like president and station manager during my time was just to make sure that even if when I left things, you know, slow down for a while or whatever have you, as long as the infrastructure was there for somebody else to come pick it up and take it over at any point, then I was happy because then Mm -hmm. any student that had something that they wanted or needed to say, they had the ability and the platform to do so. All right. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. So thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be interviewed. And I actually learned a lot. 
This was a very, very cool interview. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm super excited when you guys reached out to me. <laughs> All right. With that, I'm done. Is there... Is there any place that people can find you? I would feel I would feel bad not giving you the opportunity to plug your own stuff if you've got it. Yeah. Um, since I stopped doing radio, uh, my fiance and I have started streaming together on Twitch. That's kind of the best place to find me now at this point, aside from, you know, Discord or LinkedIn or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash Pyraz plays P I E R A Z Z plays P L A Y S. All right. And that will be in the show notes as well. People want to just click a link. So thank you once again, Tyron. I will let you know when this episode is done. Awesome. Thank you so much. Last, but most certainly not least, uh, is actually, I think our longest interview. Uh, this one took a while to organize. Our schedules didn't sync up as well as I would have hoped they would have right away. But this was a very, very fun interview to do. And a very, uh, very nostalgic. It was very nostalgic for me, especially because, um, well, I don't, I say me especially, but it was me and Rosemary that you're about to hear. And like, you know, there's only two people. I'm sure it was nostalgic for her as well. Uh, this is my interview with Rosemary Jean Thompson, the former head of UBC Studios. Um, And this one is pretty long, so buckle down. I'm here with Rosemary Jean Thompson, the former manager and executive producer of UBC Studios Okanagan Campus. Uh, First thing I have to ask you, Rosemary, did I get that right? You did an excellent job of that, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That's good. So uh, Rosemary here, I'm not sure where this falls in our episode, but Rosemary was one of the earliest people involved with Heatwave Radio in any of its most modern incarnations. I actually don't know if I remember the start of of Heatwave Radio as well as Rosemary does, and I was involved. So... I want to ask you first, how did you get started with Heatwave Radio, Rosemary? Well, I remember these two enthusiastic, young, first-year students at UBC coming to what was then known as uh, the Media Center, uh, which is the department that I was... At that time, I might have only been the supervisor, but I I ended up managing that department and just said that they had an idea to start a radio station. And one of the people was you. And you were the quiet one. You were quiet. You were just kind of, (laughs) you know, a little, I'm going to say you might have been a little hesitant, but you, you were a good listener and you, but you were, you were right there along with, and this is where I've got to make sure I get his name right, Ahmed. Nope. Nope, was that Ahmed? was correct. I got it, it right? Ahmed, yes. Uh, a lovely young man and just saying we have this idea and we wondered, you know, can we help with it? And I remember that Bud Mortensen, who was the director of communications, I think he was the director at the time, he had told me that he had tried to get a radio station going in at it's the early days, actually, when it was Okanagan University College at that campus, the campus by the airport. And at that time, you had to have a tower to be able to 
of course, get a radio. I don't even know what they're called, but you know, not a sat. I want to say satellite because years have changed. But you, you had to have a tower to be able to get some kind of connection to have a, a radio station. And because mm-hmm. it, Okanagan University College was across the street from the airport, it was basically impossible to do because of the air restrictions. So it was an idea that actually went back to about the 19. 19- 90s or 1980s and I remember Bud telling me the story so when you and um, Ahmed came in I just thought wow is there a way to do this now and not require a tower and of course now we're dealing with the internet and Mm -hmm. there were other ways that one could have a radio station so I was intrigued I was intrigued by the question that you had and I was in Uh, since we were dedicated department to helping students accomplish their goals around video, I thought radio was a natural fit. And I'd been involved in television for quite a few years with Shaw TV. So it intrigued me. And so I said, yeah, let's, I'm interested. I'm in, let's see what we can do. And I'm also curious, where is your media experience? Obviously you said you had television experience. Did you have prior radio experience as well? Um, the only radio experience I had was back in the the 90s, where I was a receptionist at the radio station in Vernon, CJIB it was called back then, and um, a good friend of mine, Patrick Nickel, was the uh, manager there. And when I started my career in television, I just helped him out as a receptionist just a couple hours a day. And he was the person that gave me the best advice of how to be on camera and how to be a host. So the best advice he said is just be yourself. Just be you, Rosemary, and you'll do a great job. So the first time I went on television, that's what they got. They got me. So yeah, that's but that's my only radio experience. But as far as television goes, I did a, a show that I produced myself for Shaw um, again in the 90s. It was called uh, Home and Entertaining with Rosemary Jean Thompson. And it was, uh, I had a bed and breakfast at the time and um, had done lots in the culinary arena. So I produced this show for two years. It was on a volunteer basis, but it was great promotion for, for my businesses. And then got hired on as a permanent host for a television show called Plugged In, which was at the time when Shaw was changing how they did their broadcasting. They were just moving a little bit more to mainstream. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I got hired as a host for that show. And not to divert too, too much, but what brought you to UBC? Good question. So I did Shaw TV for quite some time, about, you know what? I'm going to say seven, eight years. I can't remember the timeline there. I must have done it for, yeah, maybe six years. And they were changing their format. So I moved, I ended up moving to Kelowna. I was in Vernon at the time, moved to Kelowna and did Shaw until 1990, uh, let me just think, 2003. And then I decided to leave because I had had a daughter during this time and I wanted to spend more time with her at home. During that time, I connected with a gentleman named Umberto, and he was starting an online 
kind of community broadcasting station. So it was the first I'd ever heard about that. And I came on board as a, a partner. Uh, it was OKBC.TV. This was about 2003. And it was a little bit ahead of its day. So we would take what I'd learned in community broadcasting, storytelling, working with the community, producing my own segments, and brought that into this online format. Once that happened, I ended up starting my own company producing videos uh, with a fellow named Jeff Myers, who now operates the film factory. So him and I started our own business called Living Source Media Group, and we would produce videos that were about three minutes long, information videos, like some of them were mini docs. They could have been up to about 10 minutes mm-hmm. and ended up getting UBC as a client and produced for them for about two years when they just became UBC. So it was, and, and they also used the similar kind of community broadcasting format and built, they, they had arranged to build their own on-site television station called ubco.tv. And we filled up the content, we produced the content. And then one thing led to another and they liked uh, how this was working for them. It was so helpful in, in showcasing UBC as a new university campus in the Okanagan and decided to build the studio of their own. So Jeff and I came on board and helped build the studio. And then um, we had the opportunity to to actually come on board as staff. So that's how that long little journey came into being. But I I took my background from being um, on a a community broadcasting um, station and, and producing and being on camera and brought that into UBC. So you had lots of experience with community broadcasting. I think, mm-hmm. not to overflatter here, but I think we definitely picked the right person to consult about Heatwave Radio. Well, that I appreciate that night. And, and Jeff was around, I think, when we first started that. And uh, his technical expertise was certainly really valuable in, in being able to kind of figure out how we were going to approach this. So, Yeah. Just because I love doing, I love being a part of the community and I loved working with the students at UBC. So I felt like it was an honor to be involved in it. So normally this is a very simple question, but I think in your case, it may be a little more complex. What was your role with Heatwave Radio? Well... I I think I was a mentor and a consultant and yeah, I feel like I was there as a resource and as a, a really a liaison between the students and, and the university and the support that the university could offer in getting this initiative started. So yeah, a consultant, liaison, mentor, just to really add encouragement, I recognize that um, taking on a, a project or initiative like this did involve sort of a business mindset. And you guys were breaking ground that in the Okanagan hadn't been done, although there was lots of community, or not lots, but there had been some community radio stations that 
came out of the in, initial back in 1980 or 90 when when Okanagan University College had an interest in starting a radio station. I know that some people that were involved in that ended up creating their own radio station. I, part of my role was really to how can I help these students accomplish what they wanted to do and how could I bridge the gap between the knowledge that was required, the knowledge I didn't have, and uh, finding those resources in the community and on campus as well. So I, I think that was my main role. So maybe most importantly of that, you said your role was uh, in, a, in large part bridging the gap between uh, students and the more professional side of things. And you did that for quite a while. I just want to point to the fact that you were in some role with Heatwave Radio for more than four years, which is much more than most people that worked with Heatwave Radio can say, considering most people in Heatwave Radio were students. How did you find the experience of being maybe not the only, but one of the few constant forces in Heatwave Radio that wasn't bound by graduation dates, Mm. potentially lack of experience, but obviously you weren't bound by lack of experience. Just, you know, we had a very, not necessarily a revolving door, but by nature of being students, most of us Mm -hmm. weren't there for very long. Mm -hmm. Well, we had a four-year period of of students being on campus, right? Unless you um, are staying on to to get your master's degree or, or beyond that. But for, you know, you have an undergraduate sort of program that you're in. I think the part that I knew right from the beginning that was going to be the challenge and was the challenge, I believe, um, because I did it right up until I took early retirement um, a couple of years ago. But it really came down to sustainability. I would mentor you students, but the students had to mentor each other. And you always had to bring new people into the fold because, you know, you guys came in early on when you were first year students, but it took a long time to even get to the point where we were broadcasting anything. Mm -hmm. And we needed studio space. There, there was lots of things that we needed to get. We needed to fundraise and we needed to try to get some kind of funding in various ways. And we needed to learn the business of having a radio. How do you keep it sustainable both by staffing, because you had to have student staff on a volunteer basis. And so you'd have to train them and you'd, and by the time you know somebody got Uh, was about to graduate, did you uh, mentor people and look at how to ensure that there were going to be people to take the positions that were available? And and it took a long time to understand how a radio worked. Like, what kinds of positions did you need? You need somebody to be a program manager. You need somebody to oversee volunteers. There were so many aspects. And we were starting, it was a grassroots movement, right? We were starting Mm -hmm. from the very beginning and really no experience so I found that that was the hardest part and you know thinking back I've been gone two years and I think you you graduated probably two years before that I'm just trying to think what year did you graduate Jeff 
I actually graduated last year, but the only reason that that is is because I did my master's last year. Okay, so let's say your undergrad, mm -hmm. you know, you finished that in... That was 2018. 2018. And so, you know, it was between 2018 and 2020. And, and the time before that, the four years before that, I'm just getting this sustainability, this ability to keep students interested and keep that volunteer base going constantly. That to me, and training and training them, that was the hardest part of all of it. So that was a very general answer to that. Was there anything specific while you were involved with Heatwave Radio that you would say was the biggest challenge of your time there? I'm not going to say it was a challenge because in a negative way, because it was all learning experience. You know, you go to the students are there to learn new skills Mm -hmm. and to learn knowledge, to gain knowledge. That's what a university is about. So if you can walk away with knowledge and skill, you've gained something. And Jeff, I can tell by just by the nature of what we're doing right here in this moment that you you gain something. You know, you had a knowledge of how to do how to host a radio show and you had a knowledge of the technology behind doing that. So that was really the main premise. What was important, too, as we were setting this up is how did we liaison with the organizations that were in the university itself, because I was a department, I had no authority, I had no power, I had no funding to give you, I I only had my heart and my experience to share. Mm -hmm. And my, just my desire to see success, you know, you guys succeed. But there was the student union that actually had a fund had just voted in a yearly student fund for media. And so they had a newspaper, the the Phoenix newspaper going, and they had this fund that the students were paying for. So they had a pocket of money that could be shared for the media. So we had to present our case, not me. I, I, I say we as heat wave, but with me one step removed, the students wanted to get a hold of some of that funding. I believe so the first I, two meetings for that funding were myself, Sam, and Sam Hunt, and maybe Ahmed Durar. I can't remember I think, if he was involved I think in Ahmed, those meetings. Yeah, I think at the onset. That probably was the most challenging or a challenging part because Heatwave Radio was new. We hadn't proven ourselves. We didn't have anything. You didn't have anything to sell, per se, just a desire to do this new this uh, new initiative. So every year, that became <laughs> sort of one of the challenges, I guess. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, in your time at Heatwave Radio, is there anything specific that you're proud of having accomplished or having helped accomplish during your time at Heatwave? I think the most important thing and what I so appreciated and um, loved being a part of was seeing students grow in their own abilities. And if you don't mind, Jeff, I'm going to use you as an example because You know, I talked about at the beginning of this interview that you were shy and quiet and you paid attention and you were keen, but, you know, you were a little bit more subdued. And I think by the time, you know, four years came, you actually ended up 
maybe under duress, but you ended up taking the role of station manager. That was actually and the second year. You ended up doing it the second year. Look at that. Under duress. I do remember 2015. that. 2015. Okay. Okay. And then with time, what I saw and what I believed in you is that you had the capacity and the character and the, and the, um, I want to say virtue, but you know, you're just, you were a good student. You wanted to give it your all. And I, and I saw that growth and I've seen that, um, over and over again. I know just before I left, one of the, the students that ended up being the station manager and I don't, you know, the trouble with the last two years in COVID, a lot of my <laughs> memories of things are, are a bit faded, but I think her name was Marilyn. Meredith. Meredith. Thank you. Lovely young girl. But she was another girl I watched go from, you know, this shy, quiet girl to being, yeah, she took it on and she took it on with her heart and she, she, I could see her coming, you know, coming of age, you might say. Same with a couple of the other, I mean, Sam Hunt, for example, a mm. little bit of a wild card, you know, uh, uh, at the beginning. And, and you know, he, he was just, I loved him. Um, I hope I can say that. <laughs> and I, you know, I loved him as just, he was just such a unique individual. And by the time, you know, he left, just to see that growth was just incredible. And I, and I saw that in um, almost everybody that took a serious role and, and took this responsibility of this radio station seriously. Trophy was another gentleman who, who came in being a shy, quiet gentleman. And by the time, a young man, and by the time, I don't know if you actually, do you remember Trophy? Yeah, he uh, he joined as our administrative secretary, I believe, or administrative That's assistant. Right. And right. I don't know if his role changed during the time that I was there. But by the end, he was very involved in promotion as well. I don't know if he officially had a role change. He might not have, but what I saw is just his growth and mm -hmm. and what where he ended up going, you know, what direction he went in through through those years. So long story, as short as I can make it is, seeing the students develop and build confidence and be dedicated, that was the best part. So my last big question I have for you sounds like a negative, but it absolutely doesn't have to be. Uh, my question is, of course, when and why did you leave Heatwave? <laughs> well, it's not a negative, actually. I had been planning my exit from UBC. I, I know that when I came, I didn't want to stay longer than 10 years. I had so many other things that I wanted to get involved with. And so I had planned to leave through a retirement plan and after 10 years, and that happened in 2020. So I would have stayed, I would have stayed. And I tried my best to ensure that it had some kind of longevity and that people were in place to keep it going. So as long as I was at UBC, I would have been dedicated to working with students to keep that going as long as there was an interest from students. 
mm-hmm. because it was a student initiative. And as long as they were breaking ground and, and doing what they wanted to do and what they loved to do and what they saw as value to them. So yeah, not a negative at all. A matter of fact, I'm now doing a lot of things that I've wanted to do and that I couldn't do while I was at UBC. Well, usually that doesn't uh, elicit a follow-up question, but because you were involved with UBC Studios, I'm interested to know how the handoff process went internally there. Heatwave Radio was, is a student initiative. So mm-hmm. I didn't have any possession to it. I, I, it was my role as a mentor. I had Taylor Wilson. You, we were talking about him. He was involved for a while, and Gideon Dante took the role as the manager. And so I basically handed off to them to, to be involved as they saw fit. You know, this was a pet project for me, and I would have been very happy if the students just took it over and rolled with it and didn't need a sponsor which is kind of what we were you know I say Mm -hmm. mentor but really we were we were a campus sponsor so I don't really know to be honest what happened after I I left but I did hope that the good people that I left at the I left behind at the studios were willing and able to support them. I have checked. I've gone online to see if they were doing anything, and they certainly changed direction over the last couple of years. But, you know, maybe it was just meant to be for a season. And that's okay, too. That's okay, too. Everybody has their own interests. And if students just didn't want to keep it going or didn't have the dedication, it. I will say this, Jeff, and I'm sure you realized it, especially as you get into the latter couple of years in, you know, in your undergrad studies, the first couple of years, it's just adjusting to being in the university and getting used to certain course load and all that. But as you get a little further down, you got to take, you got to buckle down, you know, Mm -hmm. if you want to graduate and you want to, and you take it serious of of what you want to do when you graduate you got to buckle down so it's hard to have extracurricular activities when you're trying to do that so that's what I always found as well as people got a little further into their studies it, it was a challenge to do all the work that's involved in keeping a radio station going so you know if they just didn't have students to do it and they didn't have the same commitment, then maybe the season it was just time for the season to end. And, and that's okay. That's okay. The answers to when and why did you leave Heatwave Radio are often similar insofar as for a lot of people, it's when they left UBC for whichever reason. Mm-hmm. But when they're not that, it's I got busy in my last couple of years. And so that's definitely... I don't know if danger is the right word. It's definitely one of the risks of, you know, student initiatives. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. hard to keep up. It may or may not be difficult to keep up that momentum as an organization for that many years, but it's hard to keep up that momentum as an individual for that many years Mm -hmm. when by definition, any extracurriculars have to be your second or third priority. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but you know, I have no doubt and I have 
gotten some communication from students that have left that have been involved in Heatwave once they've left, and they're all doing really well that I can see. So, hey, if they gain some experience and some knowledge while they were involved in Heatwave and that helped them to be who they are now in their adult life and in their career choices and even in how the kind of humans they've become, then it was worth every moment and every year that we invested in it. So I think it's a success story, no matter where they are right now, whether their heat wave radio is still going or not. I think everybody's walked away with something. I, I gained, I learned by being involved in that. And I wouldn't have traded the experience for anything. It's a wonderful memory and I'm proud and glad to have been a part of it and having gotten to know the students that I did through this opportunity. So I'm a winner. I think we're all winners if we were involved with Heatwave Radio. I hope so. I hope that anyone who's listening to this who was involved also feels the same way. I do too. And I, I think I think they I think they will say that. Well, Rosemary, this has been wonderful. We're we're very much over time now. But <laughs> thank you so much for sitting down for this interview and um I will share the full thing with you when it's done. And that's our last interview. So it has now been three hours. Um, If you listened to all of those on end, wow, uh, I'm your biggest fan now. Let me know who you are and maybe I will send you a gift basket or something because good work. Anyway, um, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed um, doing all of those interviews and what we were able to put together. I hope that I will get the opportunity to do it again sometime. And if I do, then I uh, I will always endeavor to release an episode like this. I don't. This is a bonus episode. You know, in the terms of the the canon of the show, I definitely don't expect everybody to listen to this whole episode, but. Uh, this is just really good content, and I wasn't able to share all of it, um, share all of it in the main episode. So I really just want to make sure that, you know, it gets out there somewhere. There's so much stuff that we've recorded over the last year, or that, like, has, there's so many conversations I've had over the last year, even, that, you know, I just haven't gotten to share. And especially when the topic of conversation is something that means as much to me as Heatwave Radio. I want anyone who is interested in learning more to be able to do that. So if you have listened to all of this, thank you so much. If you're skipping through it and you've listened to pieces to pieces here and there, thank you as well. I hope that, you know, you've enjoyed the interviews that you've heard. And uh, I will let you know that all of them are very quality interviews and that over time, it's worth it to go back and listen to the rest that you haven't heard yet. Uh, If you did only listen to the finished episode, I think that the finished episode is the... um, I'm really proud of what I was able to put together with that finished episode, what we were able to put together with that finished episode. So I, I hope that you enjoyed that and learned a lot as well. And finally, as I said at the end of the... Uh, at the end of the officially released episode, 
uh, the end of our season finale. If you are in a position where you can support campus and community radio, either by becoming a part of it or even just, you know, being a mentor or reaching out, helping out somehow, do that. It's a really good opportunity for people who are able to participate in it. And, you know, I... I wouldn't be where I am today without student radio. And, okay, I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis or, like, Howard Stern, but I love my podcast, and I have a lot of listeners that I uh, hope also enjoy me and Pierre and us talking about movies. And we wouldn't be here without Heatwave Radio. So, Heatwave Radio is really something special, and... Campus and community radio stations, all of them are something special. Go check out CJSR. Anyway, I've talked your ear off now for long enough. We're three hours in. Thank you once again, everybody. And um, we will see you probably next week with another episode.